Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. The day before Thanksgiving, I mean Thanksgiving. Yes, the day before Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day. Thank God for giving me a great wife. I want to make sure that that is on the record. All right, we're going to convene at uh, <laughs> 2 o'clock. All right, our work session uh, presentation and discussion from Stillwater Capital regarding the Reserve Plan Development uh, District. That is our first item for the day. Hey, Matt, who's going who's gonna to come down and take this? They'll be right in. You want to go ahead and skip ahead then, Mayor, if they're not ready? Ahead. Yes, we can. A discussion regarding the Mansfield Youth Council. Kristen, go ahead and yes, introduce Kristen. yourself and uh, give your presentation. I am a management analyst for uh, the management team upstairs. Uh, we just wanted to give you a brief update on the Mansfield Youth Council initiative and talk with you a little bit about the action you're going to be asked to take today as one of the consent agenda item uh, items on today's agenda. So. A little overview, back in November, you guys saw a presentation for a proposal for Mansfield to initiate or establish a youth council. Heard about some of the reasons why, some of the advantages, and of course, the opportunities that are unique to Mansfield that we might be able to achieve with that initiative. Uh, in December, we talked a little bit about the educational opportunities that would be incorporated within that initiative and program, which was really exciting to uh, dive into. And then uh, today, we'll actually be presenting to you guys the resolution and bylaws that would establish this youth council, allow us to go out and start recruitment, start the application process um, to invite people to be a part of it. Uh, the recruitment, of course, would happen over the course of the rest of the spring semester in schools. And then we would do interviews and send out invitations to youth council uh, attendees in June. And then in August would be our orientation and the first official Mansfield Youth Council meeting. So on our next slide, we'll talk a little bit about what is within the resolutions and bylaws that are being presented today. Uh, during that first proposal, that pr first proposal presentation that you heard in November, we talked a lot about authentic youth civic engagement, and one of the things that would be incorporated into that for our youth council is an annual campaign. So that's one of the powers and duties that are written into the resolution for the youth council to complete every year, that they complete at least one. Uh, the powers and duties that, the rest of the powers and duties that are reflected in the resolution are the ones that were discussed during that proposal process. So that these, this group of students would be advisors to city council and city staff, would be servant leaders to their communities, would be liaisons uh, to city operations and the public, and so on and so forth. Uh, the group is going to be about 11 to 15 members up at the beginning. We talked about some opportunities for growth in the future, but we're going to start small and start a strong foundation to kick things off. Uh, and of course, the membership requirements are exactly what we described during the, pro the proposal process, and that's that these group of students would be Mansfield residents, attend high school during the term that they are serving, be in good standing with their school. We don't want to add on additional stress to what they're having to juggle. And then, of course, successfully complete an interview and the orientation process. Some other points that I wanted to point out uh, that maybe weren't discussed during that initial proposal presentation are some other things that we've incorporated into the resolution and bylaws. 
which include a, a clause for staggered terms. We don't want this group to be all seniors and then they graduate and then we have a bunch of new people the next year. We wanna have a mix of experienced people who are serving on the youth council, as well as new people who can bring fresh ideas. Uh, we've described what the support team that's made up of staff would look like, what their duties would involve. Uh, the most notable of that would be the appointment of a staff liaison for the group. So that's someone that community members could come to to learn more about the youth council. That's something that uh, young people who are interested in being a part of the youth council, that's a point of contact for them as well. Um, but also importantly, for city council and for city staff, that's the staff person that they can talk to about, hey, we want something put on the next youth council agenda. We wanna know their thoughts. That's the person you can go to. And they'll coordinate with um, some of the youth council members to get those items on their agendas for discussion. We have also included an attendance and removal clause. As we were doing research into other cities' youth council resolutions, almost all of those had that, so that's a pretty standard uh, procedure there. We also highlighted the different opportunities for young people to be involved, uh, depending on what their interests are and then what their time availability would be. Of course, we have general body members, but we also have established remote members for the group. So if there's a young person who maybe doesn't have transportation or they have family obligations or a job that they also have to juggle, we still want to be able to welcome them into the group. So we have three remote members in any given term that can serve, and it just means that their attendance policy is a little bit more flexible than what it would be for general body members. Uh, and then finally, we have subcommittees. One of those subcommittees is the one that we talked with you about earlier, which would be the navigators. Uh, that's gonna be the group that really leads the charge on the annual campaign and coordinating that. Uh, finally, uh, the last clause I wanted to point out is that official appearances and special initiatives that require substantial resources uh, have to receive approval from the city manager or their designee. That's just making sure that this group, if they wanna go out and do a bigger project that they're keeping the staff uh, staff in the loop as to what they're wanting to do and what maybe special events they wanna volunteer for. If they wanna do a volunteer event for MISD, just making sure that staff is informed with that. Um, of course, I am here for any questions uh, that you guys have regarding these two documents. All right, thank you very much, Kristen. To my left, are there any questions? Mr. Lewis? Thank you, Mayor. Yes, sir. Kristen, do we know right now who our designated staff member is? So that's still up for discussion right now, but that will be appointed within the next, definitely before those interviews start. Uh, so sometime during the spring semester. Okay, and Mr. Smolinski, this is in addition to other responsibilities, not a new position dedicated for this, correct? That is correct. Okay, thank you. All right, Ms. Bounds. Who will be interviewing the candidates for this? That's a great question. So it's gonna be a mix. Uh, city council members are of course invited to be a part of that interview process. The panel will also be made up of city staff. And in the future, as we begin to have youth council alumni, we're gonna invite those alumni to come back and serve on the interview panel so that they can be a part of answering questions that the young people might have about what it's like to be on the youth council and juggle high school responsibilities as well. Just because we want that interview to be a two-way process of them getting to see if they're a good fit for the youth council obviously but also to see if the youth council would fit into their time and schedule and then one more the remote members there's going to be three remote members 
and then they are also subject to policy for attendance and all of that as well? Yes, ma'am. So that one, what we wanted to do there is because there's only going to be three remote members, we wanted to be able to let them have individualized attendance policies. So that's something that they're going to have to work with a staff liaison with within the first couple of meetings of the year to establish what that attendance policy is, what their expectations are, and then they will be held accountable for that attendance policy, not the one that's for general body members featured in the bylaws. That's all I have. All right, Mr. Brosh. In Chris's follow-on to Ms. Bounds' uh, question, who specifically in, uh, or what specific department in the uh, staff uh, is going to be involved in the interview uh, In that process? Yeah, absolutely. That, what that will probably look like is it's going to be cross-departmental. It will be members of that support team, the Mansfield Youth Council support team, who maybe there are staff members who are a part of an initiative or a project that's coming up that they really want youth council involvement on that project. Those would be the first staff members that we would invite to serve on that interview panel. So it could be members from planning, it could be members from community engagement, it could be members from city, the city management office. It would just depend every year. Okay, uh, but, but I'm thinking specifically the uh, to start up to uh, who's going to do the interviewing along with the uh, the initial uh, council yourself. I know you're going to be involved, or I hope you are. And uh, <coughs> uh, but I'm wondering who from from a uh, senior staff level, maybe not the person, but what department will be starting? We'll be uh, starting that up. I would. It'll be the city manager's office. Uh, Faith Morse will be involved with that. Okay. She also. Uh, takes care of the internship programs. I think she's already dealing with people in high school and in college and whatnot. Yeah. Probably okay. a good, good venue. We, we're going to want, we're going to really ask for council uh, involvement in the interview process. So, uh, and then, of course, we also talked about uh, there'll be a number of departments involved in the education process. Uh, and that may change through a semester or through a year as this group decides on what they hope their project would be, we'll make sure that there are staff members available from appropriate departments to help with that project. Sure. Thanks so much. Yep. All right, Ms. Petrie, listen, thank you so very much for your presentation. You all, have, you and I, we, we've spoken uh, in, in a private meeting regarding uh, the Youth Council. I just want you to know I, I, I am excited about uh, what I believe this group can bring to us. Um, I used to think of myself you know, as a young person, but oh, goodness. <laughs> not anymore. So uh, I believe that it will be good to hear from <laughs> to hear from young people who really are young people, uh, young adults. So uh, I think that our city is definitely going to benefit from having uh, a, a youth council. I know that um, a number of our local municipalities, uh, they, they have them already. And um, my hope is this will help us as uh, we work to attract uh, young adults back to the city of Mansfield. And I think that when you have input from them, that it, it, works, it works well. So uh, yes, I look forward to being a part of it. And I, and I believe that other council persons do as well. That's why we're asking, you know, who, who's going to get it to sit on the, those committees as we interview these young adults? So. Thank you so very much for bringing this to our city, and we look forward to it growing.
Thank you guys so much. Yes, ma'am. Have a good one. All right. All right. Go ahead, Jeff. Matt, are you guys ready to talk about the uh, future land use plan with the Citizen Steering Committee? Are they here yet? Someone come on down. Thank you, Mr. Smoliski. Good afternoon, Mayor, City Council. We are standing up to just provide a little bit of maybe a warmer to the 6 p.m. session when we have invited the members of the steering committee to come and to meet before you to receive guidance and direction. So they will be here this afternoon to kick everything off at 6. And, of course, staff is available for any questions if you have them at this time. All right, stand with any questions prior to the 6 o'clock meeting. All right, we're going to let you off light right now. Thank, Thank you, you sir. Yep. Matt, is anyone or the folks from Stillwater here ready to present? Are we waiting on somebody else for another five minutes? Okay, well, let's go ahead and move to the uh, consent agenda items. And, Mayor, if you guys have questions about any of the yeah. items that are on consent, staff's here and able to answer any questions. All right. Council, we will do just that. So in regard to our consent agenda, my friends, what uh, you need a little bit more explanation on. Go ahead, Ms. Short. Okay, on 23-5176. Um, okay. Regarding the youth council, um, I, I know that we have in there that Final approval is through council, but then any, any amendments said they could be approved through city manager or staff. If there are changes made, I feel like they should go through council for final approval. I just don't want changes to be made down the road. And then if, if there's something that doesn't go exactly right, then council has asked questions and they weren't aware. Sounds good. Go ahead, Mr. Molenski, you want to speak to that? Kristen, do you want to come back up to the podium, please? Thank you, Ms. Short. Talk a little bit about what you anticipated that to, that to be in reference to. Yeah, absolutely. So the resolution is not going to be something that the Youth Council will be able to uh, make amendments to. That would be something that Council would have to make amendments to. The bylaws are the only things that the Youth Council would be able to amend, and even that would have to have the city manager or the staff or his designee's signature on before it was adopted into the bylaws. Uh, those would probably look like expanding the youth council, so adding member positions. Uh, the generation or creation of new subcommittees would be something that they could do. Uh, and then also making their meetings more frequent. So right now we've got it in here that they would only meet once a month, but there are a lot of youth councils that meet twice a month or sometimes four times a month. Uh, so we want to be able to allow the youth council some flexibility there to decide what would work best for them. I don't anticipate them making changes or having a city manager signature that would allow them to like, use funding for a certain project or anything like that. All of that has to have uh, staff and city managers approval before they can do something like that. I don't know if that changes the question really at all. Yeah, yeah sure. that, that helps, that makes perfect sense. Perfect. Okay. That's a very good question, um, especially because 
I'm new to the resolution writing process, so um, Vanessa was actually the one who helped me figure out what would be best to put in the bylaws that we would want the Youth Council to be able to amend versus what we want to create as a strong foundation in the resolution document. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Good job. Mr. Lewis? All right. Mr. Brosh? Turn that on. Okay. 23-5198. All right. <clears throat> I just, uh, and I, I know we've discussed uh, this uh, at the last meeting to some extent. I, I didn't recall that we were going to, uh, that we had agreed totally to, uh, to make two different uh, uh, propositions. And I was just wondering about the second one uh, Jason you could probably explain why we you felt like we would be better to separate the professional sports venue yes sir based on our, our internal uh, investigation and the city attorneys uh, with Bracewell our bond attorneys um, they, they did meet with the office of the Attorney General to discuss yeah. these two and based on the feedback if, if, if we go down a path where we're looking to add the flexibility that can be handled in one proposition. And if we wanted to issue bonds, it was advised to go on a separate second proposition that was specific to a multi-sport venue. It's very specific in state law that a type A sales tax can be used for sports venues um, if voters approve that specific for that use and related infrastructure, which could include restaurants, retail, some of the surrounding surrounding areas um, so while it, it it is certainly um, two separate propositions it's really considered as two considerations of how we would use those funds one is a cash flow basis annual appropriations through the budget process and second would be if we were to issue bonds we would be authorized under that second proposition only so we would not be contemplating bonds for a sports stadium under the first proposition. And, and being very transparent, I'm, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of uh, uninformed voters. Uh, I'm, uh, we, we never want to put a, a prop out that, uh, uh, that we think might have a problem passing. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm just trying to uh, think of how how wording could be uh, uh, obviously we don't want to be vague I want to be transparent as, as can be but at the same time uh, uh, that just gave me a, a pause uh, thinking of, of how someone would uh, walk up to the the uh, voting booth and look at that particular ballot and uh, I, I'd love to see a little bit different wording. And unfortunately, I don't have the, uh, I've got the questions, I don't have the answers uh, today for you. Let, if you don't mind, let, let me, let me uh, defer Please. to our attorney because I do remember that when we met on this last time, I think um, we all uh, were, were, were concerned about the fact that it was quite verbose. And uh, yeah, we, we definitely all want simple, you know, where we can, we can all understand it. So I'll defer. Okay, so 
Ms. Vanessa's good. All right. So either one. And thank you, Mr. Bross. I think we're good all afternoon. there with you. Yes, Mayor. Uh, we did um, speak with Bradley on this, and we talked about these. And, and uh, Mr. Gross, to your, to your point, and um, echoing what Jason was saying, statutory law requires us to have specific language for a multi-stadium use that we plan on um, investing any funds on. With regard to the first um, proposition, we did want it to be as flexible as possible, and so speaking with um, our city attorney and the bond council, we wanted to make sure that we highlighted every single possible project that we could fund. Um, that way, whenever the voters, and if the voters decided to um, pass that pro uh, proposition, we would be able to go ahead and fund any particular project that fell within those categories without having to separate each one into a separate proposition. And so it gave us enough flexibility to go ahead and encompass all of those into one. And then statutorily by law, we had to use a second one for this, the stadium. And I think it was the second one that was really giving me, uh, I'll stop short of saying a heartburn, but it, I, I just, I can't help but think about uh, and and I think of the uninformed voter. The informed voter, you can, uh, it's explainable. It's, uh, they either like it or they don't. Uh, the uninformed, they see the professional multi-sport and they're, I, I don't know, if the Attorney General's office says that's how that has to be phrased, uh, that's the way it is. Yeah, uh, state law does require us to use that specific wording um, that would then allow us to use the funds for that and then any an ancillary um, development around it. And so we're really hoping that during the public hearing we can educate um, the voters and really give them more information on what really that encompasses and any impact that that would have. Okay. We got our work ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, you know, we do. And, and it's, it's going to be a matter of, of uh, educating the voter, and you're 100% correct in that, yeah. Okay, anyone else would like to chime in on that? Go ahead, Mr. Lewis. Yeah, uh, so Prop A then, is it, I'm trying to distinguish what the purpose of, of the two is. So Prop A would be any use of those funds that matches those criteria. Prop B is mainly because we're intending to issue debt, and so this would allow for the bond debt to be issued for Prop B specific to a multi-use sports facility? That's correct, and, and the reason for that is because if you're charging money for a ticket, it doesn't fit in the first proposition, <clears throat> only yeah. in the second. Okay, um, so what happens if Prop B passes and Prop A fails? Are they in any way contingent upon each other? No, they, they would be two separate propositions. And so they would not be contingent on one. If, if Proposition A failed and only Proposition passed B, then we would only be authorized to use the Type A funds for um, issuing debt or funding any sort of professional sports venue. Okay. As um, well as the existing uses that we're already as well allowed as to uses. under Type B. Yes. Okay, thank you. And that would be specific to that project and its surrounding infrastructure, right? So throughout the whole city, that's where Prop B if Prop B were the only one to pass, that would not help us in other aspects of the city. Okay. For the, thing, for the entertainment venues and other things that we're trying to bring in for families locally and to bring sales tax dollars from outside of the city into the city. Right. All right. Go ahead, uh, Mr. Noor. Good question. Go ahead and ask. Please, sir. 
I agree. Uh, Joe and I were just discussing, I think it's probably uh, should do some form of work session and explain Prop B to the citizens and let them know exactly what, what we're talking about here. Okay. And, and, and I think the heartburn it would be uh, if one passes and the other didn't, you know, would it hamstring uh, what uh, we're hoping to uh, bring to the residents here? in our city. I think, I think, uh, and you all can correct me, I, I think that's the question, you know, yeah. if, if, let's say if A passed and B didn't, you know, uh, we want to I think, do the best we can to educate the constituency on the fact that uh, we have an opportunity to bring more remarkable experiences to our city. So I, I think that would even help us uh, if, if we knew that as well. And, I don't know, Mr. Anderley, you may want to jump in here as well. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Mayor and Council, no, I, I would just second the explanation okay. that you've heard from uh, the presenters so far. Okay. All right. All right. Any follow-ups on that? <clears throat> yeah, let me. Go so, ahead. So if Prop B does fail, uh, is there a time limit before we could bring it back? I know we're dealing with the window here. We didn't just create prop B. I mean, we, we know we need it due to a potential client looking at coming in. So at what point can we bring that back? I don't Is know that three there's three years. Like with it, I don't know that there's a particular time frame that we have to wait, like with a, um, a general obligation bond. It, this is different. And so I don't know that we would have to wait to bring it back. We could bring it back at the next election if we'd like to for Proposition A, if it did not pass this this uh, time. Okay. Go ahead. And then, Mr. Bronx, you have a follow-up? Okay. All right. Go ahead, Mr. Moore, and then I have, we have a couple of to come up. We do have a, before, we, you, before okay. you go, you, you're intending to give us a presentation later, but I think, I think right now we have time to do that. Uh, okay. The one later will be for the public, but I think doing this now, where you guys can ask specific questions would probably be helpful. Okay. So, Matt, if you can help and and get that presentation up, uh, I think that that will be far more informative than anything we could just say sitting at the podium. So, it's a good deal. And Miss um, Seizure, about how long do you think it would take to bring that up? And I'm okay. Good. All right. I tell you, you and Suzanne, y'all are so efficient. All right. Then after that, we'll have uh, we have another couple that we need to bring up. One, two, three. And we'll bring up, not regarding this, but on other matters. Thank you, Mayor. This, this are these are slides that we'll present in the public session under staff comments prior to your consideration. And so we, we try to make it as big and bold as possible. The the very nature of these propositions are flexibility, and it's not a new tax. This is existing sales tax uh, that was already approved by the voters to use for economic development purposes. The idea is that we take our existing tax that today we can use for manufacturing, industrial, R&D, warehouse, distribution, corporate headquarters, that's straight from Chapter 505 state law, and allowing what we call Type B powers, which are the underlined on the slide. Those are professional and amateur sports and athletic facilities. That's not where you're charging a fee, though. That's if you were to be hosting a, an event and, and things for uh, public consumption at, at no charge. 
and in tourism, entertainment facilities, convention facilities, public parks, and related store, restaurant, concession, parking, and transportation facilities. Those are the community development opportunities that we see when we're addressing the, the, the resident surveys and the, the residents' um, items that they want to see, and they're tell, telling all of us, these are the things we want, family entertainment, nice sit-down restaurants where we can spend not only quality family time, but also our tax dollars in the city and, and bring in those dollars from outside. And that, that will only enhance our sales tax collections throughout the city uh, by delivering those type of venues. And that's what Proposition A is meant to do. Proposition A is the flexible, it's adding the flexibility to the sales tax that we already have. Prop B, and, and by the way, these are some of the images of projects that, uh, that we're working on or that we've talked to and all of them are requiring some type of gap financing, whether that's um, cash or that's participation in infrastructure or sales tax. Uh, there, there is a, uh, a gap in the market to bring one of these types of uses to the city of Mansfield at this point in time. And so how can we be aggressive going after them and working with these types of venues and operators and owners to bring them here? And there's several ways we've, we've tried. And I think with the flexibility of the, the sales tax, if this were to be approved, we, you would see a very aggressive move very quickly uh, to capture these types of venues. Jason, I know we have the benefit of having seen the results of that citizen satisfaction survey. And while we wholeheartedly agree with the results of that, this is exactly what your residents, uh, your constituents are saying they wanted. Uh, when they, when one of the questions was, what would you like to see us uh, focus on bringing to the community? It was specifically uh, entertainment venues for families and for teenagers. Uh, and it was higher end, uh, different, maybe more unique dining experiences. So the stuff that you see on the screen right now is what our residents are telling us they want. So that'll be part of the messaging, I think, when we, when we go to talk to folks about the bond propositions is to say, while we agree with you, this, this wasn't dreamt up by anyone on the staff or the council. This is what you told us you wanted. And we need these tools in order to deliver those. Good word. This is the vehicle. Yes, sir. And in our other you know, cities across the region, even ones that, that you see these examples of, they have type B, they have corporations. So we have a type B, but it's for parks facilities only whereas uh, many other cities have community development corporations in conjunction with their economic development corporations. So they're using their type B dollars for these projects. So that's, that's where we're at a disadvantage at this point when we're competing with these type of venues. All right. So this is the wording, um, and Ms. Ramirez helped us put this uh, together along with the city attorneys to make it as broad as you directed us to um, so that we would have that flexibility added to type A sales tax. Uh, for Proposition B, this one is the specific, this is a specific vote related to a multi-sport venue and related infrastructure. So when we're talking about the Harvest Point, Lone Star 360, that development on the east side by Big League Dreams, this specific development would could benefit from, if this were to pass, 
uh, with the ability to issue bonds for a sports venue and all the related infrastructure. So we could get really creative on some of the restaurants and retail that we could bring in along with the stadium component. And that also can be used for maintenance and operating costs. If this passes and type and the Proposition A passes and both are, are approved, it doesn't mean we, we have to go issue bonds. Um, it just gives us that flexibility. So if, if both are approved and we want to do something in that area with a restaurant or retailer, we still can use the, t the Proposition A wording with that, flexible, with that flexibility. So Prop Proposition B is proposed really to bond those types of projects uh, in the future. And that's, it doesn't have to necessarily be that specific region, but that's where we're contemplating a sports venue today. Right now, um, we do have, uh, we're working with the communications department to put together and finalize a frequently asked questions uh, document so we can have as many facts as we can presented. We met with the uh, MEDC board last week and requested assistance in getting the language and wording out to the public and different boards that they may sit on, Rotary Clubs, and they've all agreed to participate in that. And I think you'll see some of them here tonight uh, to speak to the council um, in support. Council will notice we did take your direction from the last work session and we changed the wording on both of the propositions and the very first sentence will say on both of those that it's asking for authorization of the previously approved collections of the uh, tax so that hopefully the voters will know that that's something that they previously approved and it's not a new tax that, that we're asking them to approve uh, for us to use. That's good. All right. All right. All right. Any other, any follow-ups? Y'all all right? All right, we are nodding in affirmation. Thank you, sir. Yes, Appreciate sir. it, Jason. Yes, sir. All right, council, are there other items that you would like to uh, see pulled up or explained, rather? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead, Ms. Short. On 23-5190, okay. it's uh, funding in the amount of $176,755 for professional services for the new Mansfield Police Department. I, my question was, why wasn't that included in the total approval for the project? And is, it, is this gonna be the last one? I just, I just don't wanna start feeling like we, we approved one big amount and then there's a bunch of ads. Oh, no problem. It is actually included in the, in the original amount that you approved. For the 41,000, 41 million that we brought back last time, this included. This is just a part of our responsibility. So there was two things that got pulled out of the original contract. One was the engineering services, so that the engineers, whenever they come out and inspect the quality of the welds, how deep the uh, piers are, the quality of the concrete pours, and so forth, those engineers are actually working for the city. But the number was always included in the total ask Good. that we have for you guys. Uh, same thing that we're asking for the generator to be approved tonight as well, and it's the same, same situation. It was included in the total number that we've asked for, but it's just because these amounts are over $50,000. We need to bring it back to you to say this is the company that we're going with, and, and, we, and we're asking for approval for that. Okay. Glad to hear that. I was hoping that's what you'd say. Yep. And then the question, other question I had was about the generator. Uh, I noticed on the bid that it said um, unloading and install installation and fuel are not provided in this quote. 
but they did include testing and startup. It, it just, maybe I'm not understanding that correctly. It didn't make sense to me that they wouldn't install it, but they're gonna be testing it and starting it up. Yeah, so the, 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 uh, the actual installation is done by the electrician. It's in his contract and it's, and it's included in our original number as well. We won't be asking for any additional funds for that. Uh, so what happens is they deliver it. We have, uh, the general contractor has it in his contract to pull it off the truck, set it in place. The electrician has it in his contract to do the final hookups, and then they come back and do the startup. Okay. Now, we'll, we will be providing the fuel at the end of the day, and that's, and that's, that's on us. We've so that, that. that's fuel for the generator? Yes, ma'am. So it wouldn't be, this isn't a generator that runs on natural gas? No, ma'am. It is, it's 2,400 gallons of diesel is exactly what it is. Do we not have the option to do natural gas? Because I just think at some point you're going to have to refill that. And right. So it's set up on a maintenance system. These are all, all great questions, guys. I don't know why the, the lady council members are asking these questions because these are great questions. Uh, we feed the them. the uh, turnover of that diesel is done through a maintenance program. And uh, the reason why we chose diesel over, uh, over propane is that We've lost propane generators down at our facility before. They've been starving for propane and those kinds of things. And so whenever you talk to all the professionals in the field, every, all other agencies are going to diesel as well. There's a, there's a couple of them that are still using propane if they've got backups or so forth, but so many of them are using diesel and then they have uh, contracted with, with a, a diesel provider to be able to bring it out in the event of an emergency. What 2,400 gallons gets us is 42 hours of runtime at 100% load. We know that we're never gonna be at 100% load, so we're probably closer to you know 60 to 80 hours of runtime is what it would be at. And so then it's just a matter of, of adding the additives that you need in the, in, the, in the diesel fuel and then turning it over through exercising the generator, which it has to exercise anyway. So the cost of the fuel is about the same, um, but, but we have the same concern, and that is, hey, is that, is that fuel gonna go bad? And we know that it's not going to go bad because we're going to take precautions ahead of time. Okay. Thank you. Yep. All right. Good. Yep. All right. Sir, Mr. Lutz, what you got? All right, buddy. 2-1, or 2-3-5199. Okay. All right. Try to figure mm -hmm. out how we had a 16% overage. Sir. So this is a uh, sewer line. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the uh, sewer line uh, along Park Ridge, South Park Ridge, that and the water line was originally part of the scope of the construction. It was after the start of construction, it was determined that uh, some data on our GIS was incorrect before, and that sewer line on North Park Ridge was actually part of the original construction as well. It had not been replaced. So this is really additional scope that was recognized that was not included earlier. So that's why it's such a significant amount. That length, we're, we're taking it all the way uh, to that eastern uh, connection point and that's where it was actually reconstructed previously. Okay. Thank good, you. good. All right, anyone else? Do we have any others? All right, good deal. Staff, we sure appreciate you guys. And ladies, thank you all very much. All right, 
Go ahead, Mr. Smolinski. Raymond, just out of curiosity, how old is the line you're planning to replace? And when did GIS say it was installed? It was supposed to have been rehabbed in the 90s, and it was actually part of the original construction that was from like 68 or the early 70s. So right now that line is 50 years, 50 years plus that we're replacing. And at some point it showed in GIS to have been replaced in the 90s? Yeah, there, so there was a the rehab 90s. project to the east, and it was included with that as it was reconstructed and it wasn't until confirming with Alex and water utilities that no, it had actually had not been. Okay, thanks. So. All right, any follow-ups? All right, thank you all very much. No, go ahead, Ms. Lewis. Okay, all right. All right, and we're now ready. Presentation and discussion from Stillwater Capital regarding the Reserve Plan Development District. Mr. Joe. Matt, are you going to be giving this or is the developer going to be giving this? No, Stillwater's here to give this. So, uh, Mayor and Council, uh, Clay Roby with Stillwater Capital uh, will be here before you tonight as a part of their urban core design. Uh, they would look to bring in a, a hotel conference center. Uh, so, they just wanted to provide a little bit more information uh, so that we can, as staff, give them a little bit of direction uh, on which way to head uh, as they make plans for their. Uh, future development as part of that urban core for the reserve, uh, the, the portion that they're developing. Uh, so with that, I'll ask if Clay Roby uh, could, could come up here and he can walk you through the presentation tonight, this afternoon rather, I guess. Sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Mayor, uh, council members and staff. Appreciate your time this afternoon to go through this material. Um, Clay Roby with Stillwater Capital. I think I've met everybody before. I'm delighted to be here. I brought Hunter with uh, Woodbine, who's our hotel development partner, so we'll be sharing the podium uh, or the microphone a little bit today. But I wanted to start with just a high-level introduction. Um, obviously, we're here to talk about Mansfield. We're here to talk about this hotel. But just in larger context, I think everybody's familiar, we've invested approximately $250 million in the city of Mansfield today. Uh, we're very proud of that. We're very excited about that. It's, it's been a um, a, a good experience and a long road, I think, for everybody getting to this point. From our perspective, we're just getting started. We have a whole lot of ideas and a lot more that we want to do. We want to get outside of some of the, um, I guess, more traditional development we've done today and into catalyzing more transformational, um, aspirational visions. Um, and so, you know, pivoting away from some of what's been um, approved to date and some of what we've done to date towards the community building, placemaking, um, as Jason was talking about earlier, entertainment, family-oriented developments uh, that attract both business and leisure travel, that's what we want to do. And I think our job in the discussion we wanted to have tonight a little bit is about how you balance the reality of the market and just sound real estate fundamentals and lender approvals and the minutia that we don't like to think about but is very much a reality of our business. and. You know, we can't just go do all this stuff because we want to. It has to meet certain thresholds with the more aspirational thinking. And from Stillwater's perspective, uh, we're very excited to be working with you all to find a balance of those two things where hopefully we can all get what we need to move forward. And so uh, the topic at hand today, um, obviously there are entertainment and uh, restaurant retail and other things that we've been working on is a part of anchoring the reserve district that we're now stewarding. Um, there are also more commercial aspects that have to do with office and medical office components. So I'm gonna kind of put those over to the side for purposes of our time 
this afternoon and focus on the hotel. And so for that, Hunter's gonna come down. He's got a short presentation. He's gonna be walking through. Um, he's, he's gonna go through this fairly quickly to try to get through the bulk of the content and leave some time for questions afterwards. So hopefully um, that works for everybody. If, you know, if we need to kind of go a little quicker, we have a little more time and you wanna drill down, just let us know. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, Mayor, council members, thanks for having me. Um, I believe I've met a handful of you uh, before. Uh, my name is Hunter Dietz. I work at a company called Woodbine Development Corporation. Uh, we're based out of North Texas, uh, much like Stillwater, um, and have a long history of developing um, hotels and resorts um, throughout Texas and kind of the Southwest. And so when, when Clay and the Stillwater team brought us on to work on this, this opportunity, we were really excited about it. Um, wanted to have something kind of close to our backyard and two to develop. Um, a project that not only fits Mansfield and the growing project that, that Stillwater has, but also really kind of meets and exceeds every other conference center of its like in DFW and kind of throughout Texas. Um, do I have the button here? Is this it? Okay. So talked, spoke a little bit about Woodbine and kind of our history. Um, 50 year old company actually this year, which is exciting for us to celebrate. Um, Part of that history was actually launching several select service brands uh, between Marriott, Hilton, and Hyatt. Uh, the first one being Hyatt Place. We did a platform of five Hyatt Place developments in Arizona and Texas. Um, because of that rollout, because of the success, the relationship with the brand, several years down the road, Marriott approached us about a project that they were bringing over. It was a brand that they were bringing over from Spain called AC Hotels. And so when they brought AC over to North America, they specifically reached out to Woodbine to help develop the platform throughout, uh, throughout the United States, similar to how we had rolled out Hyatt Place earlier. That partnership uh, created three properties, the AC in Tempe, Arizona, the AC in Irvine, California, and the AC in Salt Lake City. And while they're all a little bit different, all of them have really expanded amenities in, for the brand in certain capacities. In the case of Irvine, uh, beautiful outdoor pool. Um, we've got some pictures here to show you, really pretty pictures, show you about how cool the stuff my team did. <laughs> um, but Irvine, uh, with that really cool outdoor pool, great soft seating, uh, food and beverage service. Um, an expanded bar with an AC Salt Lake City due to the expected walk up and kind of foot traffic you would get being in a downtown facility. Um, and so, the point of this is to kind of talk about not only the history of developing ACs, the history and the strength of the relationship with Marriott as it stands with Woodbine, um, and the goal to partner with Stillwater to bring those relationships here to Mansfield. And so when we first heard about the project, if you can, you can kind of look around DFW and see what brands are typically associated with conference center hotels uh, of, this kind of, of this size and scale. And so it's usually a Hilton Garden Inn or a courtyard. And so we developed a number of courtyards, we developed a number of town places, residences, and all these other brands that Marriott has. But we really wanted, because of the project that Stillwater was developing, um, to develop something slightly higher end. Um, and we're able to get a brand that we frankly weren't expecting to get verbally approved by Marriott, which is AC. So you kind of have this breakdown of kind of how hotel nerds classify hotels. So upper mid scale is, is a fair field and a town place. Fairfield, you guys, there's there's one in Mansfield, so you're familiar with that. Spring Hill was the first upscale hotel to open in the city of Mansfield. And looking at its track record and its short um, time frame is, is tremendous. Uh, it has increased rate 
in the city of Mansfield by about $15 for the hotel market. For itself, it's about $25, $30 above what everybody else is doing. And that's important because it shows the strength of upscale brands in a market and what it can deliver to a city. So that gave us confidence to look at this as an upscale project, a residence in and AC hotels. Because of our relationship with, with Marriott, we were able to get the residence and the AC verbally approved. We had discussions recently, as, as recently as last, you know, as last week that said, yes, we're still excited about this project. This is with Marriott. You, you, the, the options available from branding right now are residence AC and anything between that and Spring Hill. So these are some of those pictures that we were describing uh, earlier, AC Tempe. Um, that's right in the heart of Tempe. It's got great walkability right next to a bunch of corporate projects. Uh, Irvine is much more proximate to what I imagine this project to be. It's closer to um, one of the largest retail centers in Irvine and, and Orange County, actually. And so it provides really good walkability for its guests, um, not dissimilar to what I would imagine this project that Stillwater is delivering um, will, will imitate in the same way. AC Salt Lake City, great walkability downtown. There's a handful of other pictures for limited service and uh, extended state projects that Woodbine has developed all within the last six, seven years. We toured with a few, I believe, project, um, the AC Hotel in Frisco. And while I think they delivered a great project, I think there's still opportunity to expand a certain number of things, specifically where Woodbine found value above and beyond the typical AC brand is in an expanded food and beverage program, specifically uh, around a really high end of an elongated bar. Um, Woodbine has found the success of long bars is really great for hotels. <laughs> That's certainly the case when you have a conference center with lots of corporate guests that are gonna stay there, go to group meetings, host events with, uh, with their corporations and things like that. So we pride ourselves on delivering above and beyond F and food and beverage uh, programming for our hotels. In the same way, uh, this AC Hotel in Irvine, which is again the one kind of anchored right next to that retail facility, has this pretty incredible rooftop elevated bar to kind of give you, or excuse me, pool, to give you that ability to go out and feel like you're kind of away from the city a little bit. Um, but if you notice, soft seating, really cool um, kind of shades, great, again, food and beverage service to the pool area, all of which are above and beyond the AC Hotel brand. So there's a handful of comparable properties that you can kind of look at and say, what is the difference between an upscale hotel and an upper upscale hotel? And, and frankly, if you were to tell me which of these was Odessa or the Marriott in Odessa, which is one of the newer full service Marriott's in the, in the pipeline, and the AC Salt Lake City, which is one of the newer a, uh, AC's hotel that have recently been built, I, I really couldn't tell a difference. Um, and I work in the industry. Dark woods, clean lines, really nice bathroom facilities, walk-in showers, flat screen TVs, beautiful soft seating with you know furniture um, and high-end amenities around the bathroom as well. So we talked about kind of the benefits of a residence in an AC and kind of the ability to go above and beyond the brand profile. I think what's important to note is these hotels, in addition to the conference center that is planned, in tandem with Stillwater's development, based on my math, should bring in well over 120,000 new visitors to Mansfield. And so if you look at the hotel market as it stands today versus what we as Woodbine and Stillwater are 
and still, excuse me, Stillwater are investing in, there is a significant amount of foot traffic that would be generated by this hotel specifically. Now that's separate from anybody that's coming in for High Five or Ecosina or any of these other high-end retail and restaurant facilities. With some of these other brands, you likely will not get that much traffic because you will price out more rate <laughs> conscious customers. In order to generate the rates and, and basically afford developing these projects, you have to keep the rates super, super high. And that limits the amount of people that can attend and go to the hotel. So in order to maximize um, activity surround this, surrounding this greater parcel, in order to activate all those restaurants, in order to get as many you know, nurses and traveling corporate folks and insurance companies and people associated with the hospital into the cities of Mansfield, we believe that the ACN Residence Inn is the best way to do that. Further, we would believe that the product that we are developing is above and beyond that of a typical ACN Residence Inn. So the idea of that elevated food and beverage pro program, that walkability to not only the, the bar, the, the elongated bar, but also the, the great restaurants and things like that uh, that Stillwater is delivering, make us really excited about the project. So this is kind of how and where that hotel is proposed to fit in. So you can kind of see, and I think it may be a little bit off there uh, based on, I don't know if it's a download thing, but it kind of tucks right in there um, just I guess it'd be southwest of the, of the hospital, next to some medical offices incoming and a handful of other uh, entertainment uh, and restaurant facilities to really be a part of the greater um, development and not a separate kind of tucked away thing. Right, you look at some of the other recent conference centers that have been developed throughout the, throughout the area. Midlothian's courtyard was kind of just sprung up in the middle of nowhere with a giant parking lot and <laughs> a massive conference center. This is a very different uh, execution that we are planning. This is going to be in, as part of a much larger development, uh, much more holistic view. So you really, your sense of arrival doesn't start at the hotel. It starts when you're driving by these beautiful campuses and the medical facilities and these restaurants. It's a, it's a very different experience. So in terms of this afternoon, we can take this direction, this conversation, frankly, whichever direction you all would like uh, for any questions you have right now. I think uh, the, the key message that we wanted to get across today is that we do have aspirational visions on our side as developers uh, and investors for what this reserve district can be and where the hotel fits in that. We're very aware that um, expectations and desires, uh, whether it's constituents, staff members, council members, you know, those opinions are equally as valid in that discussion. So I think what we're trying to set up and going back to the kind of approved versus um, skip slide, so this one here, um, what we've been able to do, and, and Woodbine has really taken the charge on this, is getting Marriott to agree to the highest profile of uh, concept that, that we could get them to, which was the residence in an AC um, hotel category within the upscale column there. Um, they're not willing at this time to move into the upper upscale. It's just not on the table from Marriott's perspective. And so um, that we feel is just a reality of the operator and without their support, there's nowhere else we can take it. That being said, at the end of the day, the brand standards which Woodbine helped to create and is very much familiar with and has a great relationship with the Marriott um, operating company to discuss is essentially the minimum standards. And so we know that you've toured some other hotels, we know you have your own ideas and we're open to a conversation to ensure that some of the things that you wanna see reflected in this development, whether that's in the hotel proper 
or in the district overall are certainly things that we can have conversations of. Uh, we're just trying to narrow the brackets a little bit in terms of what we feel like is, is, is realistic and can be achieved. Um, so that's the end of the prepared materials we have. I think we're here for questions. Did you guys have any? All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Tenor. Yeah, tell me real briefly, what does AC stand for? I had a feeling that question was going to be asked. I should have done the research. It's basically the guy's initials. So it'd be the equivalent of TT, right, Todd okay. Tenor Hotels. It's yeah. just the guy's initials. Okay. AC with the now, I've stayed in residence in before, so, I mean, they're nice properties. But, uh, just for clarification, this is not an extended stay hotel. AC is not, no. This is a uh, it would be a dual brand project, so you would have a residence and an AC component plan. So okay. the way, part of the reason we were able to get AC is because Marriott needs the extended stay aspect of it for the financial benefit of the property. So uh, I guess my question is, if it's an extended stay, is it a day rate? They don't offer weekly rates, monthly rates. It, it would be a day rate hotel like our other hotels in our community. That's exactly right. So you have, so we brought up the AC Salt Lake City, the Marriott Odessa, and then we toured the residence in, in AC Frisco. Uh, for, I believe the last time I checked rates at the Marriott Odessa, it was about $190 a night. The rate at the AC Salt Lake City is about $185. The residence in, in Frisco is $165 a night. So if you multiply that by 30 nights, that's your equivalent rent. Right, right. But you're not, it, they're not offering discounts for extended stay. No, no, they. And could we get that in a development agreement? Is there some way we could protect the city against that? <coughs> just the, 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 the clientele for the extended stay hotel right. is insurance companies, displaced families, youth sports, and people associated with medical facilities. Right. So it's not, it's not people that are living there because it's far too expensive for people to actually live in these hotels. So the rate that these extended stay hotels generate eliminates more price sensitive customers, which I think is really at the, at the core of the concern for the city is you don't really kind of want that lower, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, out of fairness to y'all, I, I just think it's important that, that we and our citizens understand that, you know, when you hear extended stay, most people think of you know, weekly, monthly, you know, you pay so much a month to stay there. And I, I don't think there's any doubt that we're totally against something like that. But if it's a day rate higher than our current hotels, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't have a problem with it. But All right. Okay. Well, Mr. Lewis. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. I think I, I hear the concerns on the market side of it. I think we're where I struggle around all of this is it's kind of like if you save up for a luxury car, like you've been saving for it and saving for it and saving for it, and then you're like, all right, let's just buy a used Toyota, right? There's nothing wrong with a Toyota. It's nice. But we have been looking for, we're, we're participating financially in this, and there are certain elements that the city is desiring and, and seeking out. Um, I think that's where I have this, this challenge of, you're still going to want development participation. You're still going to want money to help on the convention center side. We're already participating in the TERS revenues a lot within the district. But these funds that we are participating in are to deliver a certain level. And then we're being told, even with your participation, you're not at that level. So 
think that's where the, the challenge is, is wanting to buy a luxury brand vehicle, but ultimately still spending the same amount of money and not getting the, the project that we are desiring. So that's where I'm, I'm struggling to get through. I understand there's market realities to it, but very much do, but I'd rather personally not spend the money and get to get and either wait for another opportunity for it or um, see where, see, okay, if the market is this, then let the market deliver what the market delivers. So I think that's where I'm, I'm split. Yeah, um, a couple comments on that. First, if you look around today and you, you have more information than I do as it relates to things that are in discussion with the city today, but you're very aware of what the market justifies today because it's here, right? And you're very familiar with the things that are being proposed because you're talking about those things in whatever context you are. So I think you've got some reference point for that. I would tweak your analogy a little bit. Um, instead of a depreciating asset like a car and more like an appreciating asset like a house, um, you know, when you get out of school and you're trying to save up for your first house, you're not saving for the $10 million house. You want to get in the game, right? You want to buy the house that you can buy, create value in that, create appreciation in that, you know, make improvements to that, and then you upgrade and you upgrade and you upgrade. And that's how cities grow. That's how wealth grows. That's how markets work. And so from our perspective, what we're proposing here is a significant jump up. If you look at the scales here uh, within the hotel brands, it's a significant jump up from what's been built today. And I think we would all be collectively proud of the improvement in quality, um, design and aesthetics and experience that this jump provides. The best way to get to that next column is to perform in this middle column. We do hotel projects all over town. These guys do way more than we do. You know, the best way to get the brand that you want and the aspirational is to take incremental progress. If you just wait around for it, I think from our perspective, you know, you could miss the boat. I think that's a realistic thing. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not our place necessarily, obviously, to say what the city should be doing as it relates to what brand that they want. You know, there are other sites, there are other developments, there are other forces at work. What we're telling you is the reality of the reserve district as we've planned it and the cost estimates that we've done and the financial requests that, um, that would come with this type of a product is to essentially um, satisfy that business plan. Um, you know, I don't control Omni, uh, excuse me, Omni, I don't control Marriott. I don't know what they would do or wouldn't do. You know, in theory, is there enough money you could throw at them to get a Gaylord here? Probably not, but potentially. I mean, could you just say, hey, we're gonna, you know, here's $500 million, you guys go build whatever you want. There is a subsidy level that changes the dynamic a little bit, um, but we're not anywhere in that realm today, right? We're, we're asking for a financial structure. Um, as we get into the details here, we would be asking for a financial structure that essentially allows this business plan to work. And so I, I don't think that you're wrong. I, I think that you're very much um, thinking the right way as it relates to you know, uh, quality and uh, making investments the right way. But I think the jump from where you are today to where you're trying to go is significant um, and, and outside the realm of what we've been able to get our minds around or get Marriott comfortable with. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add there is that uh, from the per perspective of the guest, the difference between an AC and a Marriott is actually very low. And so the public areas and the amenities that we would be building would be much closer to that Marriott kind of full service feel than you would expect maybe from some of these pictures. And I, I mentioned the kind of above and beyond amenities that we've built at the three ACs that we've already de delivered. I think that's important to keep in mind. And we would obviously love your feedback on kind of, hey, do we need more bar seats? What, you know, can we put some kind of um, connections to the city of Mansfield, either through pictures, information, or whatever it is, right? So there are ways to build above and beyond that AC prototype that make it feel less like the used Toyota that you kind of alluded to. I would also say, looking back at some of those images, there's a much clearer 
difference between you know a Rolls Royce and a, and a used Toyota than there is between an AC and an Ariad. The, the difference in the aesthetic and the feel to the guest is is very very minimal. In fact, the AC brand is is by far more preferred within the within hotel ownership and and guest circles because of that feel. Last comment on that, and then we can move on to another question you have or any other questions. Um, just going back to this one with the extended aesthetics. You know, when you think of, uh, when we collectively um, think about in a hotel stay, you know, what we are proposing here to be delivered in terms of the room is a phenomenal room that, you know, anybody would walk into and say, this feels nice, it feels comfortable, it's new, it's got nice finishes. I mean, this is every bit, you know, kind of the quality and intent that we would be pursuing here. But, you know, you might mention that when you talk about a hotel stay, but oftentimes when you think about the kind of elevated experiences that you're referencing, it's not your guest room necessarily. I mean, the guest room is important. Having it nicely designed and thoughtful is absolutely important. But oftentimes you're talking about things outside of the room, right? What's the bar? What's the restaurant? What are the common spaces? And I think that's where we have some openness and with the proposal that we've made to make sure that those areas are enhanced and made to feel better as well as creating a district around the hotel that has more of those things in there, right? The sit-down restaurants, the elevated experiential F&B, you know, there might be some of that in the hotel, but we think that there's opportunity for even more of that outside of the hotel. And so just, you know, just as a reference point, the things that we want to deliver might not be delivered within the confines of this, of this hotel box. Doesn't mean they're not part of the guest <coughs> experience because it's across the street. All right. All right, Ms. Short, and then I'll have some questions, comments. You were talking about Mikachina and High Five and some of the retail. Are you, are you locked in with them yet? Do you have LOIs? Um, we, so yes and no. Um, I don't want to get into too many names publicly. Um, we have a retail partner. Um, some of you, I believe, have met them in the past. We have term sheets or LOIs from probably a dozen restaurants that would, I, I believe, would pass muster in terms of what the city is looking for in terms of experiences for their residents and the type of F&B that they want to provide. The question becomes where do you put them? Um, right now, today, the desire is to go in the real estate that's available and that real estate that's activated and available is on Broad Street. Um, that's a challenge for us because it doesn't create the off-broad urban fabric town square that we're trying to create. We want to pull that traffic off of Broad and into the heart of the reserve. And to do that, we need a catalyst. For Stillwater, that catalyst is, like I've already been through it, I mean, the, the F&B and entertainment users are there. I'm sure Jason and the EDC can talk through some of those conversations that have been facilitated for large destination, kind of regional attraction entertainment and F&B users that we absolutely have LOIs from. We wanna buy a site or we wanna have Stillwater build us a building in this development, we definitely have those. And we have places on the plan where those groups go. We also have restaurateurs and, and uh, food and beverage operators that have said that they want to be in. They just want to know where they're going to go. Um, and right now we're at a bit of a, um, I don't know, inflection point to some extent of, you know, do we do the easy deal that's on Broad Street, um, which I think is going to create real challenges for us in terms of pulling that traffic off of Broad and into the district or to your um, cold out um, analogy that you gave a minute ago, do we, do we hold tight for long enough to get a larger opportunity done that brings them off broad to create the space. And that's what we're hoping we're able to do. Well, I, I would just think that if you've got LOIs and agreements with those guys already, that that would have an impact on what Marriott would put there. 
Because if, if you've got all of that going on, to me it elevates what this should be. And one of our whole goals was the conference center and pushing that. We don't just need another hotel to have a, another hotel in Mansfield. The whole point was to have a conference center and something that's different. So I'm not willing to take less. I liked what we saw in Odessa with the AC, but you, you've got them under the same heading, but they're obviously not the same because you're saying they won't do just the AC. It's got to be the AC with the extended stay. Talk about the meeting space, the 20,000 meeting spaces in here, the impact of the Tarmac and B, and then the full service, which is really the big change. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, so Clay kind of actually a few things. I don't know if you heard that, and I, I kind of hear your point there. I think where where the, the retail and the F&B and the, the reserve comes in was in the ability to get the AC. So the brand that Marriott is initially going to be open to is Four Points and, and Courtyard. Those are the ones based on the maturity of the hotel market as it stands that they would be open to. So we went back to them and said, hey, what if we, what if we brought – back this the residence in component and what if we know that you know here's kind of what Stillwater is doing and they put together a presentation not dissimilar to this one that was able to get Marriott on board with the AC brand so it wasn't the Marriott brand that they were okay with it was even with the reserve and with the residence AC was the one that was approved so in addition to that to Clay's point is that there's still going to be 20,000 square feet of meeting space which is a huge amount of meeting space Relative to a majority of the DFW conference centers, I think it would make it at least you know in the top ten within this massive area of from a square footage perspective, in in cities that are are larger, right? So the 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 conference center facilities would be the premier space with by far the best select service brand in DFW. The, 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 I think Capel was the most recent one to open, and they have a four points, right? Midlothian was before that. They have a courtyard. So the, the formula for these are, it's either one of those two on, on the Marriott side. And with Hilton, it's Hilton Garden Inn. So the value that Stillwater and all the LOIs and those discussions that they're having with Evan B were the ability to get that AC. Yeah, so you're asking about the, the saving for that luxury car. The, the cost to build that luxury car has probably gone up two and a half times over the past, over, you know, since we've been saving, right, if we kind of look at that time. So the difference in construction cost for the, the AC and the residents and kind of what, we're, what the market is prepared to do is, is exactly that, two and a half times less than what it would be to build the full-service Marriott. And there's a number of reasons that go into that, um, but it is meaningfully more expensive. Um, even with the 380 agreement, even with kind of everything else that's in place, assuming Marriott would brand it and would give it the okay to have that brand, it would simply not be feasible. Um, even if you were to say, hey, let's forget Marriott, let's just do the full service hotel and build like the Marriott box, I exactly what you did, saw in Odessa, you're not gonna be able to get financing. Nobody's gonna be able to develop that. So it's, it's not a matter of, you know, we, we want to keep saving for this. It's the market is not mature enough to handle that. So you can build, what our suggestion is, is to build the AC and the residence, help mature the hotel market, allow that conference center to increase that midweek demand, which is really where Mansfield is, is kind of missing that. On the weekends, few sports, everything else, it's super, super busy. 
you need to fill that midweek demand bucket, and this is how you do it with that conference center. Okay, well, maybe I'm just not getting it, but now, now I feel like in the beginning you were trying to tell us how similar they were, and now you're explaining to me how different they are. So I'm, I'm not understanding why, what is, it, it sounded like they were super similar. What is so different if we wanted just the AC, what we see in Odessa versus what you're saying we can get? So, so you saw the, the Marriott in Odessa. I think we're kind of mixing up there. Uh, the value is in things where you won't see. And so you're going to need a full-service restaurant, which is expensive to operate and to build. You're going to need very different FF&E package, right? So like what kind of furniture, what kind of bed, um, how many different uh, touch points within the staff, uh, how many different types of sheets. Um, there's all these different things that kind of nickel and dime you to get to the point where it is meaningfully more expensive. The AC, because of its, its, the public amenities are very, very similar to the Marriott, and that's what you're going to see. Aesthetically, the guest room, very, very similar, but the cost to build them is very, very different, and that's why AC was created, to fill that gap. And I might get some of this a little bit wrong, but I think I maybe understand the essence of your question a little bit. So there's two sides of it. When we say make it more expensive, there's two pieces of it. There's the capital expenditure that happens day one, and then there's the ongoing operating expenditure that happens over time. On the capital expenditure side, the base building is generally the same. You have a room, it's roughly this size, you have a check-in lobby, you have things of that nature. On a full-service Marriott, you might have a slightly larger room, you might have a few things here and there on the structure that change the size of it on a square footage basis, but from a finishes perspective, it's very similar. The large difference becomes, to your point, in the back house areas that you don't see, a limited service, select service, whatever you want to call it, an AC hotel, does not have the food and beverage programming and restaurant programming that the full service Marriott does. It anticipates that those services are provided outside the hotel footprint, to my point. So what, what essentially Marriott feels like they're doing, they're, they're hotel people. They're not restaurant people, as much as they might say that they are. They are depending on other developments within a market to provide that service, so they're not having to make that investment. So the, you know, food and beverage, um, the restaurant bar spaces are limited in a in a AC hotel relative to a full service hotel. Well, all that stuff goes into the hotel. That's number one. And so you think about kitchens, F and B space. You know, the finishes in these higher end um, public area amenity spaces. You know, there's just less of that space. It's your most expensive square footage. So that's the first piece in terms of what's in a limited service versus what's in a full service. The other piece of it is the operational realities of those business plans. You And I don't know the personnel, you probably know it off the top of your head, the personnel requirements for a limited service hotel are significantly less than they are for a full service hotel. So when you look at your revenue and then your expenses and your bottom line profit, a full service hotel requires significantly more people to operate that hotel on a daily basis because of the services you're providing. Uh, okay. So that cost plus that revenue makes the business plan challenging. Okay, and, and I, I can understand that completely about the restaurant, and, and I would want them to go eat at the restaurants around there, that'd be great, but you, you just said that the finish out is different. If, I mean, if we could get the hotel without the full restaurant and all that, that still has a high-end finish out with nice furniture and artwork and all of that, then, then that may be something that we could compromise to, but in my mind, we're not doing this whole reserve to take less than, than what our vision is. 
and I know I'm only speaking for myself, but that is how I feel about it. So, you know, we, we talked before about design direction. You know, this is an AC hotel that's existing that's in Salt Lake City. And so this is a new hotel, well-designed, well-finished out from our perspective. You know, it doesn't have to look exactly like this, but this is a good indication of design direction. Um, what you guys saw in the full service hotel was just a different thing. It's a, it's a significantly larger kind of common area space, but I would argue that the, at least for my aesthetic, and everyone's got, I mean, aesthetics are very personal preference, this is every bit as attractive as the full service Marriott and Odessa, for my opinion. The, the cost savings isn't on a cost per square foot, just to make sure I was clear on that. It's, we're not spending any less to make the space look like this relative to what you saw in, in the Marriott. It's the amount of square footage in these public areas that we're providing, right? Like you're, you're not going to do like a full service restaurant. You might have 10,000 feet of kitchen space, dining space, you know, all that stuff. That's the most expensive square footage that you're going to build in a hotel. You would build that potentially in a full service Marriott. You wouldn't build that here. You would expect that to the previous slides, the HG supply, the high five, the hubs, the me casinos, the whatever that are right outside the front door, those are the places that people are going. And that business plan is what drives Marriott's decision making in terms of what brands they want to do or not do. Clay, I, I think, <coughs> you, you good, it's short. I, I think there, there continues though to be a, a disconnect in regard to what we see. Um, a, as a group, I, I don't think that uh, Ms. Short or Ms. Lewis is, is off kilter in regard to, I think, the rest of my colleagues <clears throat> as, they nod, as they nod in affirmation. Um, you know, there, 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 there must be, has got to be a way where we can, I don't know, I, I guess see eye to eye because what, what we're hearing, you know, when we hear residents in, <clears throat> pardon my allergies, when we hear residents in, uh, we, we know that's an extended stay, even though we're saying it's not, I mean, but it is. Uh, we, we, we fully understand that. So when you tell us that it's not, we know that it is, you know, everybody's antennas go up because we're not, you know, um, yeah, uninformed in that regard. Um, and, and then there, there's the conference center um, that, that we believe that that is definitely something that we would like to deliver to uh, our constituents. So we have that to deal with. Uh, and then also there are the, and we know that we as a city, we're going to have to incentivize uh, whatever we bring to town. And um, I think that uh, that's something that we have to consider. If we're going to incentivize something, we definitely want to make sure that whatever we incentivize, that we aren't stepping into it with question marks in our head or that there are some doubts. So. Uh, I, yeah, a, a picture say a thousand words, and um, I think I think we would all agree with that. You know, each and every one of us. And, and you did mention, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, you know, in regard to aesthetics, that uh, that's something that uh, we can uh, we can definitely look into. I will say that um, when we I think we went Frisco. You know, that that was that was a, that was a good look, uh, and and um, then we we traveled to Odessa, and we saw. And and that uh, we were able to to experience that. So I think that you know, in regard to um, uh, what 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 will will help me, as as I can't speak for anybody else, would be um, colleagues. I mean, what what is the what is the ask of us going to be? You know, in regard to incentives and 
and otherwise. You, you understand? Uh, because if, if we're uh, being asked to present a, you know, and just overlook the example, but not much, a pot of gold, we definitely want to make sure that when we are out in the public sphere, that we're able to say, well, this is what we got for that. And um, right now, it seems, as I listen to the, the conversations, it seems as if we're just, we're just not there yet. Um, so um, as it concerns uh, staff, I hope you all hear us. Uh, we're saying we're not there yet. Maybe there's something um, that um, we, can, we can look at uh, in the very, very near future that will help us. And you know, we, we mentioned uh, those other venues that we hope that we can get on the hook that will help to sweeten this and make this look better. That is something too. I believe that that is also something that will, will help us along. And you all could just help me to understand if I'm wrong or not. But based upon what I'm hearing you say, us say, that uh, we're gonna need those, those things. One is, what is the ask going to be? Number two, who, who might be on the hook? And I guess that's something that uh, we'll have to uh, discuss in, a, uh, in an executive session sometime in the future. But, uh, uh, that, that, that's kind of what I'm hearing, uh, Clay, in regard to uh, this discussion. And um, I believe my colleague, uh, Mr. Brosh, uh, has something he would like to add as well. And then and after that, I guess we, we can press forward with something else. All right, thank, go ahead, Mr. Brosh. Thank you, Mayor. Start with the question. What do you, uh, and, and we've probably been through this more than once, but what would you consider a, an extended stay? What's, what's the definition there? Five days. The difference, so a transient stay on average will stay about a day and a half. Uh, anything over five days is considered an extended stay. Anything over five days or over? Correct. Correct. Okay. But the average length of stay for the residents in in Frisco is four days. So they have much more transient demand than they do extended stay demand. Mm -hmm. So the difference is only three days between a transient Okay. And an extended stay hotel. So anything more than five days is considered extended stay. Okay. I think that that could help in, in us determining what we're looking for uh, because uh, I, I get, uh, you know, I, I know, I think all of us to a person not looking for a uh, home suite in there type place. And I don't say that with uh, disdain to home suite ends at all. I've stayed in them before. Uh, but uh, I think we're we're saying we don't want to see that uh, a lot of extended state. There are extenuating cir circumstances to every uh, individual that walks into a hotel, and uh, I go to or used to go to uh, many in Vegas where I did have to stay a week, eight days uh, to attend a convention and. Uh, uh, by the time I did set up some teardowns, I was there longer than I wanted to be. But uh, that that was an exception. Uh, so I think we we have to get to the point uh, where we on the the council and our staff are in agreement with how we treat uh, those uh, those individuals. We're not interested, obviously, and. In, someone staying there three months, one month, uh, that would be an extreme exception. I can see that happen. Someone's in the hospital and 
someone from out of state had to come in. Sure, there's that happens at hotels right now. Uh, so part of it's in the semantic of words, I think. Uh, the other part is in the fact that we have we have seen Frisco, we've seen Odessa, and of course, obviously, we've seen other places. I've spent more time down in the hill country at, at that Marriott than what I care to, to talk about. Uh, so we we see all the various things, but you, I, I know you've heard us talk about what we saw in Odessa versus what we saw in Frisco, and if if we can come to a some kind of a meeting ground with the rooms. Uh, to me, Frisco was, was sort of a mini, uh, mini Odessa in my mind. And I'm, I'm talking about the front end of it. Uh, the rooms have to be right or you won't sell them. You'll sell them one time and people won't come back. So I'm not as concerned as some might be on that area uh, because you have to entice people to come in and stay and come back. Uh, that's that's all the advice I can give. And so maybe I can just tie into that for at least my last remark. You know, with the, um, you know, kind of level setting a little bit, with, with, with um, when Stillwater first got engaged here, a different, admittedly, different mayor, different council than we have today, um, our instructions were quite simple. Um, 175 rooms, 20,000 square feet of meeting space, no upfront money from the city of Mansfield. That was the direction that we were giving by a previous group. We went about our process communicating at the time that we wanted to deliver some residential assets within the city, within this area, to kind of start the momentum of the mixed use district before we did this asset, which we have now done, and now kind of pivot to the hotel and to, I think, our you know, defense a little bit, we pivoted back to what we heard previously. If this mayor and this council wants a different direction, you know, by all means, you know, feel free to propose that back to us. I think if you look at the incentive structure that is that was done in Odessa, what you will find is it doesn't satisfy the direction that we were given, right? It was not a no out front, you know, capital expenditure by the city. And so I think what we would probably propose is, you know, for the ball to be in your court a little bit, we will go about the work of developing other areas of the reserve as we can. Um, and to the extent the hotel becomes something that the city wants to see and they have guidelines for how they want to get there, we are open to that conversation. Um, you know, what, what we did, we felt like was deliver what was asked of us, which was 175,000 square feet, 175 rooms, 20,000 square feet of meeting space, which is in the hotel plan, and no out-of-pocket money from the city. And that's what's before you today. Um, if there are other outcomes that you would like and other means to get there, we are a, an open ear. We're not leaving Mansfield anytime soon. We hope you see us as a collaborative partner. But I, I just think it's fair to just kind of put a pin in it to some extent. A full-service Marriott without this combo of AC and residence in does not work with those three um, kind of directives that we were given. It just doesn't work. Um, so I think to some extent, you know, balls in your court a little bit, and you know, we're available to discuss anytime. Let, let, let me let me um, respond. I, I I don't think the ball's in our court in regard to that. I think that, um, and that's what I'm referencing when I mentioned that there's some disconnect, because I think we've spent the last 26 minutes sharing with you where we are, sharing with you our sentiments. 
I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's some kind of, uh, I don't know what the block is in that regard. But my colleagues, what they've attempted to do, I believe, was to actually share with you uh, what their thoughts are in regard to uh, aesthetics and otherwise, in regard to uh, what our, our likes and dislikes are. We, we applaud those who have come before us. We also know, though, that um, times do change. And of course, you, you're, you all are in an industry that uh, you do well because you adapt to change. I don't think that ball's in our court. I think, that, I think that, that what needs to happen is that there's a clear understanding in regard to who we are in Mansfield. We're not trying to be Frisco. We're not trying to be Odessa. But I think that we are defining who we believe we are. Uh, that is based upon not on us, and that's based upon our role as advocates for our constituency. They are speaking to us. They're pushing, and we appreciate that. So um, I, I, I take some offense to the fact that uh, the ball is in our court. I, I, don't, I don't know how many more meetings we really have to have uh, regarding the fact that we are presenting to you a picture of Mansfield 23 and, in, and beyond. And I don't know if, if we're stuck on that canvas that was painted 10, 15 years ago. But I, I, will, I will invite you all to dream with us and to really hear us, hear what we're saying. Uh, we want a partnership. I think I can say that for people who are sitting up here. We want that partnership. But, but, but I think that we want you to hear us say that we see through the eyes of our constituency, maybe a Mansfield that you guys haven't caught up with yet. And I really mean that. I'm, I'm, I'm personally getting frustrated because we've had meeting after meeting after meeting, and um, we keep hitting this wall. And then there are times when your comments are somewhat condescending also. But. Um, Maybe it's me, but uh, I, I, I don't think the ball's in our court. I, I really don't. I, I think that we're on this court together. I think that you take a paintbrush, I take a paintbrush, and by my colleagues, and we paint it together. But I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I think I, I don't always believe that this conversation or these meetings are uh, mutual or collegial. But. Uh, you know, uh, we don't need paternalism. I think we need collegiality. Just to be clear, I didn't mean any condescension or just. Well, it, it's starting to come across that way. I mean, when you talk to us about what the market bears, this and that, I've got realtors sitting up here. They know what the market bears. I do think, though, that if if you if we could meet together, um, in in a in a firm understanding that we believe that our city. Is, is growing. We believe that where we are located in Tarrant County and this region is going to be bustling. I think that, that, that when that is grasped, you'll see where we're coming from. I really do. But I don't think we, we're there yet for whatever reason. So, um, uh, Ms. Bounds, you want to? Well, Mayor, you certainly said just about all my thoughts on that. Um, I, I will say that I'm still pretty new to the council. 
And I know in the time that I have been here and have sat with, with you guys and, and shared my thoughts of my vision, what we hear from our constituents, what we want to grow as, that we dare to believe in, I also feel you don't listen. That, and I get the money in, and I'm not a realtor, but I do get the money in of it big time. But I don't feel, I feel like sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other, or maybe it's yes for the second, and then, then we're out of here, and something else gets presented to us. And I see that just from being here in just my limited amount of time. So I agree with everything Mayor said. I think you should dare to dream with us, and it's not an old canvas. Come on board with us and, and hear what we're saying to you. That's all I have, Mayor. Any others? Ms. Short. I just have to say, uh, a couple, three of us were on this council when you guys first, we first started the conversation, and the, the direction has not changed. And everyone sitting up here knows former council members very well and if anything, I feel like this council may be a little easier to work with and a little easier on the details than maybe even some of our predecessors. So to say that you were just told 20,000 square feet and 175 rooms and, and go for it is just wrong. I, I was going to say something along the same lines. I, I very rem clearly remember when that negotiation happened talking about um, that we reserved the right to discuss about the key, the who, whose key, the, the flag that was being being flown on the building, um, because it wasn't just a 175 room, 20,000 square feet. We we threw out names like Omni to set to set the standard. And, and Marriott. Yeah, Marriott. Yeah. Um, so um, you guys mentioned earlier, and I just want to get clear: no incentive package, no nothing. Where? Where do you believe the Mansfield market sits today? No incentivization, like what could you land in the reserve for a for a flag hotel and a and a convention center? Sorry, are you, are you asking, can you rephrase that, sorry? In the reserve today, the Mansfield market, no incentivization, you, you know what's happening in the reserve, but you go out and talk to a hotel operator, who do you feel as the hotel expert that you could land in Mansfield, Texas today? What flag? Yes. I will say the one that was most recently brought up, so not what I can get, but the market has determined is going to be potentially moving forward, was a Hilton Garden Inn. Okay. And that was by a company called Countrywide Hospitality. They are the builders of the Spring Hill Suites. And that is what the market, as of a year ago, could do. Okay. Now, that's since that time, interest rates have changed dramatically. So the fact that they're not building, to me, is indicative of, of Countrywide's view on the market, even with that flag. Where, where do they stand in terms like with Courtyard? They are in tandem with Courtyard and well below that of AC and residence. Okay. So this is where I get confused on market because Midlothian, Texas, half of our size, much more rural, no access like we do, no toll road, none of those things, has a 40,000 square foot conference center and a courtyard Marriott. So I don't understand where the market separation is. I think that's where my challenge is. Like when you tell me that that's who we could 
get in the market bears as a, as a garden in, that's what our neighbors 17 minutes up the road have from us with double the amount of square footage for a convention space. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I think I don't know what the 380 agreement uh, with the city of Midlothian and what that courtyard was. I don't know the financial structure of what it was. I do know that interest rates were about a third of what they currently are and that construction costs were about half of what they currently are today. So if we were to say, can we build that same building at those same costs with those same interest rates? Absolutely, yes. But that's just not the case now. Um, COVID was not particularly good on supply chains, as you guys know, um, and it certainly wasn't helpful with all the Fed interest rate hikes. So there are a number of things that have changed since that time that even if it was the same market would make it completely, completely not feasible to build. Okay. I know, I know theirs is a decade old, so obviously there are changes to those things, but just perception on this end is when I drive around town going, well, like, where should a higher-end hotel be between the two? It shouldn't be in Midlothian. It, it should be Mansfield. We've got better access and all of those things. So that's what right. I look at from a market standpoint. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. I, no, I do understand. Um, but we're having to pay to get the AC level, right? Well, that's a, I, but that Midlothian, the, Midlothian paid to get the courtyard as well. Yeah. So it's been a decade since all of that, like just trying to process through where our timeline is looking at at those pieces. So um, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily opposed to AC, hotel, convention, conference center. Um, I, I struggle around having the co-branded with the residents in. Um, I may be able to work through that, but I don't think I will. Um, and then I was, you guys I think have addressed this. I was relatively unimpressed. The, the AC hotel in Frisco was nice. It was nice, um, but if we're participating financially, this is our one hotel that we're at least going to have for a season that can be kind of that that step up. I think you guys have agreed to step up in those public space, in those open areas, in the bar spaces, in the entrance, and all of those things. I think we can work through those. Where we stand on residence in, I think that's the piece that I'm probably most stuck on, um, at least for right now, in the reserve, knowing where we're going and what what we're trying to accomplish within the reserve district and harvest point and and all along that whole area of developable land so thanks yeah casey i appreciate that i think uh i i understand those concerns um and so i used to work at a company called hvs which is an appraisal company uh did a lot of feasibility uh projects with various cities one of them was planned about most recently was one with a company called uh or city of cedar hill they were trying to build in a loft and they went through the same kind of process. So a loft is probably just above courtyard, still below AC. And the problem that a loft had was that they didn't have that extended stay demand. And at no point did the project become feasible. So I'm just telling you that from previous experience, not to push the project. This is more just, I've, I've seen this play out with the city of Cedar Hill. All right, council, we're good. Thank you very much. All right, thank you guys. Y'all have a good one. All right, we are going to item number three, recess into executive session pursuant to section 551.071, Texas Government Code Council reserves the right to convene an executive session from time to time as deemed necessary during this meeting for any uh, posted agenda item to receive advice from its attorney as permitted by law to discuss the following. Eight, pending or contemplated litigation or to seek the advice of city attorney pursuant to section 
551.071, seek advice from city attorney regarding pending litigation, cause number 348-270155-14. The seek uh, uh, advice of uh, city attorney regarding pending litigation, cause number uh, 320CV2601NBK, cause number 348-325719-21. Seek advice from city attorney regarding cybersecurity. Seek advice from city attorney regarding legal issues pertaining to economic development projects listed in section 3.D. 3D of the agenda discussion uh, regarding possible purchase, exchange, lease, or value of real property pursuant to section 551.072, land acquisition for future development, personnel matters pursuant to section 551.074, D, deliberation regarding commercial or financial information received from or the offer of a financial or other incentive made to a business prospect seeking to locate, stay, or expand in or near the Territory of the city and with which the city is conducting economic development negotiations pursuant to section 551.087, economic development project number 15-02-22-12-22-14, economic development project number 22-18, uh, 22-24, 22-01. Council will now recess into executive session at 3.40 p.m. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to reconvene to our regular business session at 6.16 p.m. And we're going to now have a discussion regarding direction on the future land use plan with the Citizens Planning Steering Committee. Mr. Alexander. Yes, sir. We have a presentation that we would like to go through and just kind of set the tone for this undertaking that will shape Mansfield for many, many years to come. So in front of the city council this evening and in front of the steering committee, this is a logo for the future land use plan. So Mansfield 2040 with our tagline, our plan, our guide, our future. And kind of setting everything up is City Council's vision statement that we are to be a vibrant city for people and businesses that value world-class experiences, culture, quality, and a second-to-none level of community service in a hometown environment. We have our list of guiding principles here that flows from that statement, True North, which are noteworthy essentials that the City of Mansfield will continue to deliver high-quality essential services to its residents, businesses, and visitors. Organizational excellence at Mansfield will foster a healthy environment for its own employees to maximize productivity, boost morale, attract high-quality candidates, and establish itself as a destination employer. Remarkable experiences. The city of Mansfield will find creative and innovative ways to provide its residents, businesses, and visitors with world-class amenities and experiences above and beyond essential functions and services. Together as one, 
The city of Mansfield will remain a close-knit community as growth continues. The city of Mansfield will provide world-class social infrastructure and opportunities for all of its residents to connect and enjoy remarkable experiences together. And finally, healthy economy. The city of Mansfield will support and strengthen this economy in all strategic decision-making and will leverage its assets to preserve its economic vitality. So thinking about True North, thinking about the vision statement, leads us to the mission statement for our steering committee. And that is to deliver an adaptive plan that embodies sustainable land use practices and results in a community that is highly regarded for its elevated quality of life, protection of the built and natural environments, and an inclusive future for all. So our future land use plan, it is an element of the comprehensive plan. It is a very important plan in that it will guide our long-range decision-making, as well as the future growth and development of Mansfield. And you can see that without having a document such as a future land use plan, dynamic, vibrant, and thriving places such as what is in front of you in the Wheeler District cannot happen. So in terms of our upcoming events, we will have a joint citizen planning steering committee and planning and zoning commission meeting on February 20th at 6 p.m. That will be followed by an open house for a listening session and community visioning session from 6 to 8 p.m. on February 21st. The project kickoff will be here at City Hall and then the open house will be at the library. And just to kind of show where we are within the timeline for our future land use plan, that we are in February heading into March. This is a public engagement kickoff period. And after that public engagement kickoff period, we will then move into the draft plan development and review before it goes into final review and revision with the subcommittee in August. And then a joint meeting with the city council and planning and zoning commission is scheduled for October with the final adoption tentatively in December 2023. And again, as a reminder, this future land use plan, it will help inform a lot of our amendments to the zoning ordinance, including its future overhaul. And with that, Mayor, I will stop there and yield to you and the city council for further guidance instruction. All right, Th thank you very much, Ms. Alexander. And to each of you who have been chosen on the day, um, it is our pleasure, not only our pleasure, but uh, our privilege uh, to, uh, to serve uh, with each and every one of you, because it is that. It is, it is service. Um, I hope that you know that um, you have been uh, selected based upon your commitment to our city, and not only that, but to our community, and we are hoping together that you will not hesitate to dream. Not just think of Mansfield 23, but to think of what Mansfield will be like years from now. Please know that whatever suggestions that you offer, we need them. We want to hear them. And our, my fellow council members, they may have words to say after me as well. I also want uh, you to know that uh, we look for you to please, ma'am, please, sir, be at every one of our meetings. Uh, we would not have selected you if we didn't think that uh, you had something to offer. And also that you are a part of uh, different groups of people who will speak to you. 
and that you will also uh, feel the freedom, the liberty to bring forward whatever they share with you all. So uh, know that we do not take this lightly. This is not, this is not a group where you'll hear from us telling you what to do or what to say. It's, it's not that. We believe that the people who live in Mansfield, Texas, know what they want Mansfield to look like, to feel like in the years to come. So that's just my word, my, my charge personally uh, to each and every one of you. But um, uh, I am, and again, my colleagues will speak, but I am very honored uh, to uh, serve with you and just to watch how you will. As we said to someone earlier today, are you going to take hold to the paintbrush with a fresh canvas and paint on it? And just be mindful that um, the things that you are planning and hoping for today, tomorrow, a lot of it we hope that you'll see. Then there might be some of it that your children or your grandchildren will see. But be mindful of the fact that you will have left your mark on our great city. So that's my charge to you, and I'll uh, offer uh, my colleagues an opportunity to uh, speak to you as well. All right, colleagues, Ms. Short. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's committed to this, and I'm excited for you guys to uh, kind of learn some of the things that we've learned over the past years about land use and, and uh, different parcels interacting and sustainability and walkability, and it's things that unless you get involved with something like this, you may never consider or think about, but I'm sure you will find them so interesting as, as I have. And you know, a lot of us have been able to go visit some different types of developments that we don't see around here on a regular basis. And I trust that our staff is gonna be able to relay those types of products and developments to you guys and share that vision with you. And then um, also it's been great to um, get some of the different ideas and learn about the different developments and make that little field trips, even for my husband and I to go on date night or go on a weekend away. And so I hope that you guys just embrace this and really enjoy the process. So thank you again. Thank you, Ms. Short. Mr. Lewis. Thank you, Mayor. I, again, echo the same sentiments and thank you for taking time out of your schedules to just leave a little bit of a mark on our city. Um, the land use plan is actually something that is regularly referenced throughout, throughout the past and definitely going forward for the next 20 years. Um, it will be the things that we look at and say, well, we, we're going to judge all of the other things when a zoning case comes before before the Planning and Zoning Board and the City Council, does this match what our vision was? Um, those are things that will tie back to what that, that land use plan is. And since I've been on council, some of the things that I've learned is really our land use plan dictates almost everything about our city from how we develop so that we don't ever create a broad and 360 catastrophe again, um, where we all sit through that intersection 47 times a day or um, to the types of housing that we have in our city, to the uh, types of jobs that locate to, to our community, and then ultimately the amenities and the things that we're able to provide to enhance our quality of life. All of that ties to how we use land as it develops um, and the types of housing. And, and one of the things that I'm, I'm growing more interested in right now are, are in the types of housing 
what separates Mansfield from any of the other suburban towns around here? What, what makes a place a place? Because everybody's going to build a box and live in a box. It's just what does that box look like, right? And how does the public realm and how do all of those things interact? And then is it something that 20 years from now when we have to replace the infrastructure for it, did it pay for itself? Can we actually afford to do that and keep standards really high in Mansfield moving into 2030 and 2040 and 2050 when our kids and grandkids are living here? Or are we going to just be another suburban neighborhood? And that's not what I want. I don't think that's what any of you want. So I hope you engage in the process. Like the mayor said, please come to the meetings, engage. But we really, uh, we really do genuinely value your input and your feedback into the process and dream with us about what that plan looks like. And I'm looking forward to seeing it later this year. All right, to my right, Ms. Byron. Ditto to what everybody has said so far. Um, I also want to thank each one of you for coming. You are in a diverse group of people. That's what we are hoping for. Dare to dream. Dare to ask why and ask how. Communicate with each other. Brainstorm with each other. Learn the land use. Learn what it means to us now, what it means to us as our children get older, our grandchildren get older. Make your print on this. We're glad you're here. We're glad you committed to it. Thank you for being here. All right, Mr. Sonora, and then Mr. Brock. Yeah, I just want everyone to realize that we share a tremendous responsibility to lay this city out in a manner for our kids and our grandkids. You know, this reminds me, I keep going back to the city of Arlington, and I think a lot about Mayor Vandergriff and the things that he did when he was at this point, the things that he laid out that he never saw. The ballpark in Arlington has got his statue. He never saw it built but you have to set the groundwork. And as you're setting the groundwork and you're thinking about things for this future land, and, we, and unfortunately we only have about 20% of it left, we have to be very cautious and conscious of the future expenses of the city, which will continue to increase forever. And forever is a long time. I'm talking about police, fire, first responders, repairs at water treatment plants, sewer plants, things that will only, these expenses will only go up, infrastructure. So this is a tremendous responsibility that we all bear that's gonna affect our kids and our grandkids and our citizens for many, many years to come. And I appreciate you guys stepping forward and helping us. We need help to make sure that we lay this, this existing land that we have left out properly. And it'll be up to future councils to follow this plan. So again, thank you, thank you for your efforts and uh, appreciate it. Look forward to working with you. All right, Mr. Brosh. Thank you, you've heard some good words of admonition. You've heard some praise tonight. <clears throat> I know you all realize that we are in, Mansfield's blessed being an explosion right now. And we're more blessed that we had forefathers ahead of us, just as, as Todd mentioned about uh, uh, 
Mr. Vandergriff, uh, wonderful vision. We had forefathers that had a vision, and it's, it's our responsibility to carry that on. And uh, I, along with, with the rest of the board, are so appreciative that you're willing to give your time, not only your time, but your experience, uh, be it your educational experience or your, uh, your life experience, that you're willing to give that to make this a better city to live in. We thank you so much. All right. All right, Mr. Smolensky, city manager. Thank you, Mayor. <clears throat> so I, like the mayor said, my name is Joe Smolensky. I'm the city manager here. I'm the one, well, not just me, me and the other folks that work here. You're going to get tired of dealing with us. You're going to be spending a lot of time with us. It's going to feel like class at times. Uh, but we just want to make sure you're armed with all of the information that you need about our city to make, uh, you know, critical decisions about its future development. Uh, a couple of things I want to make sure you know we're going to talk about. We did a study for the, with a consultant named Urban3. They came out and did a geo-accounting study of our, our town, and this really is something that we use to show the long-term fiscal impact of a variety of different uses and how they impact our ability to pay for critical services in the future. Uh, I, think, I think that's gonna be one of the most interesting things we'll, we'll have an opportunity to show you. We're gonna talk to you about a labor shed study we did with Ernst & Young, where they came in and they looked at who lives here and works here, who lives here and works somewhere else, and then who lives somewhere else but works here. Uh, I think what you'll find is that our housing stock and our employment opportunities are not in alignment. And we need to work on that. You guys are gonna have to help us uh, come up with some ideas there. We're gonna talk a lot about traditional neighborhood development. Uh, while some of these types of developments may seem new here in Mansfield, there's nothing new about traditional neighborhood development. This is the way communities developed prior to World War II. So we're gonna talk about that uh, and really focus on community and neighborhoods over walled-in subdivisions. So I think you'll find that really interesting. We're also gonna go through uh, you know, a pretty intensive look at the different housing options we have available here in Mansfield. For those of you that don't know, the average new home value in 2022 was $795,000. So roughly $800,000 to buy a new home here. And when the vast majority of the employment opportunities you have are either in education uh, or they are in an industry. Uh, that just doesn't marry up. So we wanna make sure that we're not look, we can't do anything about low income housing. We can, we can make sure we look at stuff like housing options and variety and stuff like that. And, and I think uh, that's a good way to get toward where we need to go. When we talk about housing types, we'll be talking, we're gonna dispel some of the the rumors, right? We'll talk fact versus fiction when it comes to housing types uh, to include multifamily. Uh, we'll also talk about making sure that we have lifelong living opportunities, lifelong housing opportunities in our community where a new high school graduate uh, can live with mom and dad and then when they get their full-time grown-up job, they can find a place to live there, maybe live in even in the same community with their grandparents. The idea is to make sure that families can stay together and stay here in our community. We'll be talking a lot about fiscal sustainability. Uh, we'll look at our capital improvement plan when we plan to build water treatment plants, all of that kind of stuff, roads, uh, lift stations. You're gonna, le you're gonna learn about lift stations and 
that'll be your least favorite day here, I promise. Uh, we'll talk about taxes. And we're also gonna talk about forecasting uh, things that we have to think of on a 40 or 50 year timeline. Uh, it's very easy, it would be very easy for these, these folks up here to sit here and do the popular thing every time. Uh, you know, to say whatever they can or whatever they have to to make whomever is standing at the podium happy. But the fact of the matter is they're thinking on a 40 and 50 year time horizon. And some of those decisions, while they might not sound popular now, in the future they will, they will solve a lot, a lot of issues. Uh, I think something that you'll also enjoy is we're gonna tour some developments. We're gonna get out and actually look at some of these things. When you talk about density, it's hard to talk about or think about on a piece of paper. When you walk it, you feel it, you see what we're really talking about. Uh, talk about mixed use developments and stuff. And I'll finish with this. We're, we're gonna go through our two last citizen satisfaction surveys with you. We wanna, we wanna talk to you about what the residents here in Mansfield are telling you that they want. Uh, you know, it's not this council or this staff that sits up here and says, oh, we need to focus on entertainment venues. We need to focus on uh, corporate jobs. These are the things through, through multiple citizen satisfaction surveys over years have said those are the things we want you guys working on. So we need to take some very deliberate steps to make sure we can deliver on expectations. And I think that you're gonna find a lot of this really interesting, maybe even eye-opening, uh, and we're all gonna have a chance to play Sim City moving forward. It's gonna be great, we're all gonna love it, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for your time, Mayor, that's it. All right, thank you very much. I'm going to turn it back over to Mr. Alexander. Thank you, all council. our instruction and direction and as staff we're prepared to work with our steering committee and deliver a plan that's reflective of the community's vision not just for tomorrow but for tomorrow's tomorrow and we look forward to delivering absolute excellence with that all right well thank you very much if there are no other comments in that regard all right council i'm going to ask if uh, we can take at about a 10-minute uh, or so a break as we prepare ourselves for the 7 o'clock session. All right. Mighty fine. All right. It's 6.38. We will adjourn this time.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to come back to order here in about a minute. This is a, a good sight to see. Handshaking, people talking to each other. That is Mansfield, Texas. Love every bit of it. Every bit of it. We're all just about back in our places. Yes. Good evening again, ladies and gentlemen. Formally speaking, we will we will come back to order at uh, 6.56 p.m. We will have our invocation by Mr. Kenneth Rose, President, Texas Health Hospital, our Pledge of Allegiance by Mr. Todd Tenora, and we will have our Texas Pledge by Mr. Casey Lewis. And I would ask if we would all stand at this time. Thank you. If you'd join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we come into your presence this evening first off with, with gratitude, with hearts that are thankful and grateful that you would let us come into your presence to, to start this, this meeting. We're also grateful for all of the blessings that you've given us of living in this great city and in this great country that has provided us such wonderful freedoms and that have given us the opportunity above every opportunity to stay connected with our creator. And so, Lord, we're grateful, but we're also coming to you to ask for wisdom. Uh, this group, this city council, these citizens, those of us who live in this city, know that we need your guidance. We need your wisdom. We need your blessing on this great city. Even when the world seems that things are turned upside down, we know that you're in control, and we know that you have promised to give wisdom to anyone who would ask. And so tonight we ask. I pray that you would be in this room tonight. We pray that you would uh, progress this meeting and progress this city to where you would have it to be. And Lord, we don't do that just for our, our egos or our own gain, but we do it so that you can be given glory through this process. And so we just pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Mr. Rose, will you please share with us great things that's taking place at Texas Health Resources? Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor and City Council. I appreciate the invitation. Um, anytime I get a chance to pray somewhere, I feel like I'm supposed to take that opportunity, right? 
<laughs> but we're excited at Texas Health Mansfield. We're starting a brand new year. We've got a lot of great things happening. Uh, one of the things and a story I'll share with you that was recent that I'll keep short, but in August of this last year, we started uh, our new heart attack program, our STEMI program. And uh, in the month of August, we had a case come in that actually started at Methodist Mansfield Hospital. The team at Methodist had a patient on the table. They were working. They were taking care of somebody. And they said, look, we have someone on the table now. You need to go to the next hospital. And so the EMS said, okay, well, we'll go to Medical City Arlington. That's the next best option, next closest option. And the team stopped them and said, well, actually, three miles down the road, Texas Health Mansfield just went live with their program. They can handle this patient. Take them there. So they said, great. They brought that patient. That patient had a great outcome. And I'll tell you, Methodist Mansfield is a phenomenal hospital. And for us to have two phenomenal hospitals three miles from each other, that in that situation can take care of people at a moment's notice versus driving 15 minutes to Medical City Arlington. Getting and keeping that care here in Mansfield, I'm, I'm proud to say, is an awesome thing. I live here in Mansfield. My father actually died at the age of 55 of a massive heart attack. So I personally am susceptible to cardiac disease. So knowing that I live in a city where I can get to two hospitals really fast is a great thing. And so as a CEO of one of our hospitals, I'm grateful for that. And I hope that we all are, that we have such great health care right here in this growing, burgeoning city. So we're excited to be here. We're excited to be a part of Mansfield. Thanks for letting me be here tonight. Thank you. Thank you for the great work that you do. Thank you, Thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move at this time to our uh, citizens' comments. Uh, citizens who are wishing to address council on uh, non-public hearing agenda items, and items not on the agenda, you may do so at this time. Due to the regulations of the uh, Texas Open Meetings Act, please do not expect a response from the council as we're not able to do so. Uh, this will be uh, your only opportunity to speak unless you are speaking on a scheduled public hearing item. And after the close of the citizens' comments portion of the meeting, only comments related to public hearings will be heard. All comments are limited to five minutes. Now, in order to be recognized uh, during citizens' comments or during a uh, public hearing, uh, please complete a blue or a yellow card located at the entrance of the chambers and present it to the assistant city secretary seated to my right and your left. And as a reminder, this will be your only opportunity to speak unless you're speaking on a scheduled public hearing item. The council may not respond due to regulations of the Texas Open Meetings Act. All right, thank you very much. I'm going to ask at this time if Mr. Houston Mitchell will come and please state your name and your address for the record, sir. My name is Houston Mitchell. I live at 605 St. Eric here in Mansfield. I've lived here for 23 years. Um, I believe elected officials, when you're elected, you're here to represent the people that live in this city. And I think the majority of people in this city don't want no more apartments or, uh, let me, let me say, rephrase it because y'all, y'all's changed on me, multifamily. I went to the state address and I listened to Mr. Spolinski show this chart and the 1% of land. How many people live in them apartments? Yeah, I don't see no population on how many people live in them apartments. But he was explaining, well, 
if you go over here to these businesses, you got to drive to them. So you're basically telling, saying, as a citizen, I shouldn't go to these businesses. I should go to these ones downtown that I can walk to and I can get coffee with my neighbor. Okay? I think anybody in this city has a freedom to go anywhere they want. Okay, and the reason people moved here, at least when I, I moved here, and I believe it's still intact, they moved here for the schools, the, the quality of life. We used to talk about that a lot, quality of life, how, how great our quality of life is. But now we got a city manager and y'all, y'all want to put mu a bunch of multifamily up here and increase the population by what double what it is today. People are going to leave. That's why they left other cities. There's 90% of the people that live here, they don't work here. You know why? Because they don't want to live where they work. They moved out here for the quiet. They moved out here for the, the quality of life, the school system, the friendliness of people. Y'all got to start thinking about the majority of the people that live here, that live here now, not the future people you want to put in apartments or multifamily, I'm sorry. And now, the second thing I want to talk about is that back room back there. Y'all do too much stuff back here that we don't know about. One of them things is uh, y'all decided to start paying yourself back in October. We didn't know about it. I didn't know about it till here recently. Why don't y'all bring it out here to us and let us know, at least know about it? It's kind of seedy if you ask me. I respect all of you, but that that shouldn't be going on. You need to come out here and let the citizens know when you're doing something like it. it's our tax dollars. You're you're paying yourself. Yes, I know it's been in the charter for years, but nobody ever did it. Larry, you've been on the council for a long time. You, have you ever got paid till here recently? No. And I hear it's because well, we got to take our sick time. I'm sorry, I don't know of anybody on here that that actually works for anybody that has to take sick time. Oh, I'm sorry. One. Okay, she used to be the voice of the people before she got on council. I haven't heard a word from her since. Please address the chair. So, and uh, the last thing is I do support the Pickle Parade because it's the best, biggest event that uh, they ever started in this town. It's, it's probably one of the most important events that we do have. And the citizens in this town love it. That's all I have to say. Thank you, my friend. All right, Mr. Larry Kloss. Please state your name and your address as you come, Mr. Kloss. Good evening, Council. It's a little different on this side of the table. It's Larry Kloss, KLOS, 1407 Danbury. There's a couple items I want to address. One, I want to thank the council, EDC, and everyone who's involved in getting HEB here. I think it's a great deal. The second thing I want to talk about is council pay. What you're getting is not pay. What you're getting is tip money, okay? There's a lot of people in this town who would like to run for office but if they're not independently wealthy or own a business, they can't do it, okay? And that stipend quote that you got is tip money, okay? It needs to be, in my opinion, four or five times that. 
okay? There's two proposals I want to talk about. The type A bunny. The 11 years I was on EDC, there were deals that we couldn't do, but we were restricted on what you could spend that money on. Those deals got done, just not here. If you want to see the proof of that, run up and down Highway 161, right through Grand Prairie, and you'll see some deals that we lost were over there. You can go to Burleson. There's a candy outfit over there we couldn't do because we were restricted. There's a knowledge deficiency in this town of what this vote is about. This vote simply is saying we can do type B projects with type A money, and there's no increase in the tax. Two cents, correct my wrong, keeper of the coin, still collect two cents. One goes to the city, half A, half B. There's no increase. There's no change. There's no nothing. The second deal is the studio deal. When Jason brought us that deal six, seven months ago, this is, this is a group out of California. Some of you, most of you don't know, I was involved with the TV show Walker, Texas Rangers for two years in the mid-90s. The amount of production people they bring in, these are not low-paying minimum-wage jobs. These are skilled people, they're actors, they make a lot of money. Yeah, there will be warehouses built, okay? But they're not storing anything there. Those are built for sets. On that particular program, White Elephant Saloon, in the downtown courthouse at Fort Worth, they were, they were built exact replicas of those, just a smaller version. If you were on the set, you didn't know you, that you weren't at the White Elephant, okay? So that project, I would support 2,000%. Also, the type A is 2,000%. Um, I'll just say this to you. I believe in that type A project so much. <clears throat> I don't know what you're restrained to do as elected official. I'm not an elected official. I'm not on a board. I'm not on a commission. I don't own anything. Okay? So I have a game plan, and I'm going to get the word out to get this thing voted in. Okay? I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so that's all I got. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Mr. Brandon Frizzell, would you please come and state your name and your address? Brandon Frizzell, 2301 Eric Lane here in Mansfield. Good evening, Council. Tonight I come before you to the, address the lack of transparency this body and leadership are showing towards the residents of Mansfield. I first want to make it crystal clear. I have no issue with elected officials being paid. Now on to my concern. On January 24th, I received back a FOIA request detailing the $3,000 worth of stipend pay each of you had received as of January 9th. This came as a complete shock as each and every one of you had stated at least once in the past that this was an unpaid position. Having gone through the budget and never seen a single spot where your pay was located, it came as even more of a surprise to see that the city put these payments under quote unquote contractual services. To my knowledge, not a single member of this council has a contract with the city. So this was most certainly the city hiding these payments so there, would be, so there were to be no question asked as how this was done. Now I want to address a couple of the comments that some of you have made on this topic. Councilman Lewis, you first made a comment on this matter in an email you sent out. Please address the chair. 
on February 14th where you stated that the city manager proposed these payments. This statement was only made after a member of the community started to ask you questions about line items in the budget that you refused or stated you didn't know what the amounts in the budget were. You later, you later stated in face, on Facebook that instead of the city manager proposing these payments, you were the one who suggested to the city manager to pay council and you didn't know that these were actually included in the budget until, you, until they asked for your direct deposit information. Later that same day, Councilman Tenori stated on the same post that the payments were actually budgeted in 2021 and council made the decision not to accept them then, but when it was brought up in September, council decided to take them. So which is it? Did council know about these payments or not? Did the city manager make the suggestion to put these payment in the budget or was it a directive from council? Then the city manager goes on to a local podcast to address this issue and stated he and the CFO made the decision to put this into the budget. He then goes on and says that this is really a simpler process for the city staff so they don't have to deal with the council's reimbursement request for expenses they incurred while doing their job. Which if this is the real truth, then paying stipends and putting these amounts on 1099s is wrong as reimbursements are not taxable. That is now four different stories about this issue and none of them align. The city manager then proceeded to say on that same podcast, when we see things online, like there are a bunch of crooks for taking it or they done that in a way that wasn't transparent, I disagree with that. That was his quote. Well, Mr. City Manager, I don't know what you would call it if you don't think it wasn't transparent. First off, I don't recall seeing a single person calling any of the council crooks, as most people don't care if y'all were paid. They only care about the transparency that this was done in. And I will say it again, as I said it at the beginning, I have no issue with elected officials getting paid for their work, as they do a lot. But my issue stems from three things. One, these payments were never mentioned in any public budget meeting or any presentation made by the city. Two, not a single member of council or city leadership made any mention of these payments until someone in the community started to ask questions. And three, the city hid these payments under contractual services. How are residents supposed to trust information coming from this body and building when you can't even be transparent about these things? The lack of transparency needs to end and it needs to end now. I call on each and every one of you to direct city staff to put forth a charter amendment to be voted on by the voters of Mansfield to make it to where you cannot change your pay without voter approval. I will end on this. If residents can't trust its elected officials to be transparent about payments, what makes residents think council is being transparent about the MEDC ballot propositions you will be approving tonight? Going forward, I will be voting no, urging everyone to vote no, and working in the election polls to get people to vote no on any ballot proposition, MEDC, parks, et cetera, until the charter amendment is put for a vote. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, as you uh, come to the podium, please address the chair. Thank you so much. All right, Mr. Kent Knight, please come. State your name and your address. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Um, I'm Kent Knight. I live at 1026 Masters Drive. Lived in Mansfield since 1999. Um, and I am this close to being a 100% empty nester. So. As I, yeah, <laughs> they come back now. A um, couple things I want to just give you my comments on tonight. Number one, the, uh, the tax A funding. Um, I think it's a good idea for anything that gives us flexibility. Um, if, you've, if anybody's been paying attention, they know that the land in Mansfield, we've got about 25% left. 
And that means while we scrutinize land use as we go forward, how we're gonna use that 25%, that flexibility is even more important. So I see that as a great benefit to have the flexibility in those sales tax funds. Uh, the second item would be the super studios. And um, I think that's a great project too, but I probably have a different reason than other people. If you don't know, I've worked in aerospace and defense for 25 years. And that is a industry where it's high technology, cybersecurity, and defending the country, which I'm very proud to work for. Um, the jobs that will be in that super studio are great launching points to go into higher technology jobs, especially in the defense industry. There's a lot of similarities there in the technology that they're using in flight training and simulation and all sorts of things that probably people aren't thinking about right now, but because I'm an empty nester, almost, um, I think about my kids right now. They're in, you know, 19, 22 years old, one college graduate and married, one about to be done. And so I consider, you know, how are they going to move to the city of Mansfield if we don't have some, you know, some housing options for them and things like that? And uh, we all know, you know, that you've got to have the young people coming to the city, right? It's kind of like church. If you don't have young people coming into a church, eventually that church is going to wither away and die. And that's not something that any of us want to see with the city of Mansfield. We need to attract the younger crowd. We need to attract the higher technology jobs in here and things like Super Studio and giving us the flexibility and that, and that sales tax use is, uh, is on the right path. Thanks. Thank you, sir. All right, Miss Nancy Morris. Please state your name and your address, Ms. Morris. My name is Nancy Morris, 5th, 1342 North Highview, Mansfield. Uh, it's been 2010 and 2011 since I was up here with the same problem, dog pound. We've lived here over 30 some years. When we moved here, my husband put in that pipe fence. I have never had an animal out. And as you can see, I brought you some pictures. They don't have wings, they can't fly over fences. But yet, the dog pound all the time. When the animals get out over at the nursery, they call me and they'll say, oh, Ms. Morris, is that your goat that's out? And I'll say, no, it's Rico's. And then they call over there or go over there, who knows. Uh, he has put up a new fence two years ago, three years ago, and baby goats still can go through the fence. Uh, I'm, I have had heart attacks. I don't want to mess with these people. They know when they call me, they are not my goats. And this is, I do not get along with Lori, and she does not get along with me, and this is, she does this for aggravation. I don't know what it's gonna take, to get this situation fixed. I have um, sent there, uh, when I was here in 10 and, uh, and uh, 2010 and 2011, it was said that we would uh, fill out an application, pay $25 one time, and every year then we would uh, refill out an application to tell them what animals that we had. For 12 years, this has not happened. Now it's starting to happen, I think, for aggravation. 
I have also found that the majority of people in this city that have livestock have not paid the $25. They're just playing dumb to the fact when this came about, I had to move my goats to Burleson and pay to keep them there and pay somebody to feed them. I lost baby goats. It was costly to me, and I'm not going through this again, whatever it takes, through attorneys, doctors, whatever. This is ridiculous for citizens of this town to have to be punished like this. And we didn't just move here recently. We've been here 30-some years. We've only had this problem since Lori got up there at the dog pound. She was not put into that position, in case you all don't know. She put herself in this position when her boss, Nick, took a hike. Also, she... Uh, does not take animals up there if you, do not if you do not pay her $20 an animal. People are dumping animals, and this is not fair to those little animals. The dog pound is there to take care of these animals, and it's just uh, something has got to be done. It took me eight months last time that I came up here, and if it takes that or years, something has got to be done this time about this. The, this uh, put, it originally was hang something like this on your front gate. Would you want this hung on your front gate? I said, no, this is not going to work. They wanted us to pay the $25 to pay for these that she took it upon herself to order. So when that didn't work, then they went to little metal ones. When they brought mine to the house, they took a screwdriver or something and scratched it all up and throwed it over my gate. I don't even know. That was 12 years ago. I don't even know what happened to it. Um, this is just getting ridiculous. Those numbers on your gates serve no purpose. They don't get out of the dog pound. They stay up there. Those people are on a gravy train. I was out here on 287 one day and I saw this dog on the side of the road and he was so skinny. And he'd walk a little ways and then it was over by that Ivan Smith. And then he would sit down and rest. I pulled in Ivan Smith, I called the dog pound. The lady had answered said, well, our trucks are out. It's gonna be quite some time before we can get a truck there. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll sit here until you get here. It wasn't even seven minutes they were there. You have to force these people to work. If it was up to me, I would clean house and start over. It's just, this is ridiculous for the citizens of this town to have to go through this. When we moved here, it was the nicest little town, and as I have told some of the city council members that remembers me from before, this is the worst place I have lived in my entire life. Thank you, Ms. Morris. Your time is up. But thank you for coming. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right, Mr. Drew Spaulding. Hello, my name is Drew Spaulding. Uh, I live at uh, 2115 Cannon Drive, Mansfield, Texas. And uh, You're good. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I've lived here since 2014. 
I am all in in this town. Uh, I have two adult children that live here. My wife and I live here. Uh, I convinced my brother to move from Seattle to be here. Uh, so I am certainly all in on this town. Uh, I'm a member of MEDC. Uh, and I, I understand where some of the uh, other commenters were concerned with regards to maybe some of the changes in the tenor of the, the city with regards to development. Um, and I've thought about that too, uh, but I've, we're pretty close to Dallas and Fort Worth and with the, the, the highways that we have and other infrastructure, uh, I think development's gonna come and I would like development to be the best quality and possible that we can have. Uh, and so some of that uh, has to do with uh, the type A funds, uh, which I highly encourage y'all to make a decision with regards to uh, putting that on the ballot where we can change and use the type A funds. Provides a lot more greater flexibility uh, for us to get development because development is much more integrated in mixed use as opposed to just straight up industrial. Uh, and I think that would provide flexibility, to, uh, particularly to, uh, to Jason Moore, which I think has done a fantastic job as our, as our MEDC executive director. Uh, and then the second one is that I've also um, been involved with listening to the Super Studios um, project or proposal. And I think it's pretty neat, and I think it's something that that uh, that we should do. Uh, and I, I hope that you would, you know, take a good look at that project and uh, try to make it the best that you can. Uh, I think that it's something that would be very different, providing lots of jobs and lots of opportunity, which is uh, significantly different than some of the more industrial warehouse uh, projects that we've had in the past. Uh, some of them have been wonderful. We have some great industrial uh, businesses here, but having something like a, uh, some studios would be fantastic. So that's what I have to say. Thank you thank very you. much. All right, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, uh, Ms. Nicole Zetun. Nicole Zaytoon, 710 Walnut Hollow Drive. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. A um, couple things I'd like to speak in favor of. First is Proposition B. Um, I am in favor of this. I'd like to be able to have increased flexibility for EDC to be able to um, draw new and exciting businesses to the city. Um, we all know development's coming, and I think we should position ourselves to be able to get the best and most exciting development that we can and not lose out on those opportunities to other um, cities. Um, EDC has done an excellent job bringing development here and providing new opportunities and I'd like to really further that mission and allow them flexibility for that. No increase to sales tax, which I think is an excellent benefit, but it will still allow us to um, have some new and exciting opportunities. Second is the studio project. would like to voice my um, I'm in favor of that. That is also an exciting project. It will bring um, 
is a nice transition in development from an industrial area to a residential area. It will bring exciting re uh, restaurants and other um, entertainment to an area that is currently lacking it. Um, so I um, just want to, to say that I'm in favor of that and the high paying jobs that the studios will bring. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. All right, Mr. Stoney Short. Please state your name and your address, please. Stoney Short, 305 West Kimball, Mansfield, Texas. So I've been sitting out there biting my tongue and not wanting to come up here and say rude things. <laughs> I hate seeing you guys get beat up. I've had a front row seat out here for every day that Tamara's been on council. Uh, Mr. Tenori, Mr. Evans, Mr. Lewis, and my wife. You guys put in more hours on council than most people put in on their job. I've seen the way you vote. I don't agree with everything. Uh, very frustrating as a husband to see your spouse, you know, as a group being attacked from our first speaker and just so aggressive. And I, I know y'all are not going to receive that well. And she gets emails all the time people being rude, disrespectful, threatening our life over a dog park. It's ridiculous. And how many people have come up here and said, when I moved here, it wasn't like this. Well, there were people that were standing here saying that about them when they moved here because of the house they moved into or the apartment job, the apartment complex that they moved into. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate what you do. I believe, including uh, our city manager and staff, that you guys, your integrity is above reproach. There's multiple jobs I could bid on in this city, and I never do because I don't want someone coming up here saying I got that job because of my wife or that I know somebody on council. Millions and millions of dollars I've given up over the last 20 years from bidding work in this city. My wife could do work for this city as well as a realtor. She doesn't. We try to stay away from anything that would make it look like something's going on wrong. We lose money. She has gone to multiple cities and multiple jobs and things that are being put before council to see what they look like in other cities, as she did this weekend for four hours without a penny. I know that each of you have done exactly the same thing. And the money that she's getting paid, although that's a lot of money for some folks, it does not touch what y'all do. Mr. Smolinski had uh, read the poem, The Man in the Arena, and it's so true. It's like all of us mo Monday morning quarterbacking the football game when we've never played a day in our life. So... Uh, if people want to make a difference, they can come here, speak, and give you their ideas with a reasonable tone, and I know you'll listen. 
And I know that each of you want to do what the majority of the people in this city want. Unfortunately, most of them don't get the big picture until it comes to council. There's a lot of stuff you can't talk about. So I appreciate that. And I just appreciate you guys and appreciate what you do. And I'm thankful for you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. All right. Miss Kristen Fleming Wood, please. Please state your name and address. Kristen Fleming Wood, 2221 at Manor Drive. And I almost didn't speak, but I felt like I had to come up because after, you know, the internet lit up with you guys are getting this great big windfall coming down at you. Um, I had to get on here and say, because I actually, first thing I did is look and say, what do neighboring cities and councils in the DFW area, what is the, they're getting paid three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month. I know none of you do this for the money. God knows it wouldn't be worth the money. <laughs> Even for $1,000 a month, it's not worth it, but I appreciate what you do. And I just want to get up here and, you know, just say that I support you guys getting that because I know you take a lot of your time out to do this and it's a thankless job and we appreciate you doing it whether or not we like what goes on all the time and um, also had a second thing I wanted to bring up I don't know who it goes to but crosswalks in Mansfield who's in charge of putting the blinking lights so we can push a button because a lot of Texans don't understand that you have to stop for people in a crosswalk and I would love, when I go, we go walking a lot now. You know, we had a health scare recently, so we do a lot of walking. So going to the crosswalks on Cannon with all the traffic trying to go, not go on Broad Street, it's like risking life and limb and playing Frogger, which I'm dating myself by saying Frogger, but <laughs> just trying to figure out who I need to go to to talk to to get some of these uh, push buttons with the blinking lights so people will actually stop at a crosswalk. And I think it'd be important around the schools because I think the crossing guards are getting beat up too. So if anybody can steer me in the right direction, let me know. But that's it. But thank you for all you do. I appreciate all your work. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. All right. We have a, a non-speaker card from Mr. Bob Koslowski, who is speaking in support of the pickle parade. So thank you. In that regard, we appreciate it. Sure. Let us hear from Mr. Smolinski. Thank you, Mayor. Bradley, I know you're relatively new to, not to Tozer, to the city, but to sitting over here. I just want to confirm with you, make sure you're okay with this. I know the city council members cannot address uh, speakers during citizen comments, but that does not apply to me. Is that correct? That's correct. It's okay if I address some of these? It would be, yeah. That, that that uh, restriction is on deliberations of the council. Thank you, because there's, there's a lot to unpack here, so I'm, I'm gonna get started. Ma'am, first of all, if you want issues with, if you have issues with sidewalks, crosswalks, intersections, or anything, Vanessa Ramirez is sitting right there at the back. <laughs> She's here to solve all of your traffic and congestion problems. So you can, uh, <laughs> everyone else, if you want her number, just uh, go back there and get in line, and uh, she'd be happy to give that to you. So, and ma'am, with, uh, I know you had, you mentioned you had an issue with animal control. Um, Troy Listina, our deputy city manager, uh, if you get with him, give him your contact information, I'll make sure that he follows up with you. I won't have to make sure he does it at all, he'll do it. But uh, 
he'll do that. He provides support to regulatory compliance, which is the working group that animal control is under. Let us look into your issue. I'll, I commit to doing that for you, okay? Um, so, Troy, if you wouldn't mind, make sure you, you get with her before you go. Uh, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be as cordial as I can with some of this. But uh, I want to talk for a second about transparency. Well, first of all, I want to address some of the things that uh, I said in an interview, uh, you know, on Steve Casillo's podcast. And then again with the Star-Telegram. I've, I've had this interview a couple of times now. And it all comes down to four basic questions. One is, is taking a, you know, a compensation as a council member, is that legal? It's 100% legal. Is it voter approved? It was voter approved. The residents approved that on August 11th, 1979. And there isn't a number put in there because then I think minimum wage was four cents or whatever it was. So that's an exaggeration. No one quote me on that. I don't actually mean that. Uh, so yes, uh, it, it was voter approved. Uh, is it common? Yes. There are cities in the Metroplex all across the state and all across the nation that compensate people that work their tails off, as Mr. Short so eloquently put it. They work their tails off here. Uh, so yeah. And what was the process by which this happened? This is the fourth question. And I want to take this because I've been, it's been insinuated that I didn't do this the right way and I want to make sure that everybody knows how this works. Uh, as a city manager, I tried for two years to get these folks to take some sort of stipend, some sort of salary, some sort of anything. And they just refused to do it. And I, I would agree with Mr. Kloss that $1,000 a month is, is nothing. It certainly isn't enough for what they do. I guarantee you that they had no idea what they were signing up for. And I'm going to address that in a minute, too. But uh, on average, I think if you took all of the hours, if you, you tried to estimate the number of hours, they make about $11.50 an hour. You can make $15 to $20 an hour at Chick-fil-A. I would say the decisions that they make here are pretty important. Uh, so with regard to comments about transparency, I want to make sure you guys understand what this group has done in the last two years. Uh, they implemented something called My Mansfield University to make sure that residents that were interested in learning more about their community in this organization had an opportunity to do that. I believe someone that came up here and said there was no transparency actually went through that class. Leadership roundtables. Bernie, raise your hand back there in the back. Bernie meets quarterly with HOA presidents to make sure that they know what's going on in the city. They didn't ask to do that. We solicited them to make sure that people knew and could talk to their neighbors about what was going on. Internships for college and high school students. That's a new program. Uh, as a matter of fact, Faith, would you raise your hand? Faith is employed here now, started out here as a college intern, graduate of Mansfield, uh, Mansfield ISD, is one of the best finds I've had since I've been here with the city. Okay. Uh, they, they created a citizen bond committee to actually decide which of the ideas that staff and council had and the community had thrown at us, which ones would actually get put on a ballot. That's the first time in, how many years was it since they did a bond election? 20 years, something like that? Okay. Uh, future land use plan committee. We met, we met just a little while ago with 15 to 20 of them that are gonna serve on a committee to talk about future land use. Those are residents that are gonna do that. No one's done that before that. And then here's an important little tidbit for you. 
This group has increased the size of the Open Records and Transparency Department twice in the last two years. They've increased the size of that department to make sure that we can meet all of the needs that the residents have, all the questions that they have. Tell me where there is no transparency in that. And to stand at a podium and say that there's no transparency in the city just blows my mind. I've heard comments that say, well, they knew what they were signing up for when they, when they filled out that application. I'll tell you what the job description is for a, for a city council member. There isn't one. You find it in the city charter, and I'm gonna quote two sections for you. Article three of the city charter speaks to the city council's role in local government. Section 304 addresses compensation. I already told you in, in August 11th, 1979 is when that was passed. It says this, the mayor and each councilman may receive a salary set by the council plus actual and necessary expenses incurred in the performance of his specified official duties of the office. They're allowed to take that. It says it very clearly in, in, the, in the charter. Section 309 talks about meetings and procedures. This is where it talks about how much time you're gonna give up as a council member. This is what it says. Council shall meet at least twice a month. Okay, that's what it says. That's your job description. That's how often you're gonna meet. Council, if you would, if you've only met twice a month for any of the last 24 months that you've been here, raise your hand. Not once, it's not even close. Just last week alone, I think Mrs. Bounds was here four days last week. We're gonna talk about some of the things she was here for later on on the agenda. Then I wanna talk about a comment that really ticks me off. I'm, I'm gonna try to be cool about this. Someone stood up here and said that I made a comment about them being called crooks and that that wasn't accurate. That person wasn't at lunch with me last Saturday when a resident put their finger in my face and said that we're all a bunch of crooks. So if you weren't at lunch with me, you can't make that comment. I wanna read a comment that one of these council members said to me. This is, this is as close to verbatim as I could get it. The average person that wants to serve on the council wouldn't have any idea how much time this consumes or what they have to give up in earning potential and time with their families. Without providing some form of compensation, serving on the council is a rich person's game. We want we have to do something to make sure that this is an opportunity everyone can afford to take. That doesn't sound like a crook to me. That sounds like somebody saying, let's make sure we get this in place. So even someone that's unemployed and lives with their mom can serve on the council if they need to. They get some form of compensation so they can do that. I don't understand how this makes them a crook and I certainly don't understand how that makes me a liar saying that. I also want to talk just for a second, and I, will, I promise I will get down off of this. Uh, these funds were budgeted last year. The council refused to accept it. I've been trying for two years to get them to take some form of compensation, salary, whatever it is, because I know the tremendous amount of time that they, they spend doing this, and I know that we do have a member of our council that uses all of her PTO to serve you all of them. So to say they don't give anything up, nonsense. To say that they make too much money to do this, nonsense. To say that there's a lack of transparency is nonsense. Short of putting a desk in every one of our offices for someone else to come sit in, I don't know what to do. Now, hindsight 2020 and what I will do this year, 
to ease council's concerns and questions would be when Troy and I give a budget presentation, I will put an enormous slide up on this wall. It says they get $1,000 a month. I will do that to make sure that everybody knows that. But keep in mind, that's not something we've ever advertised before. Even if they didn't get it, we don't put, you know, how much Bernie received in gas money being reimbursed for driving her own vehicle. Every item cannot be, this is a $246 million budget. How many checks did you guys write last year, Troy? A couple million? Yes. Or it's transactions total? Uh, transactions, yeah, they were in the millions. Uh, millions, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but... We've already talked about it. We will include in the budget presentation. Yes. I will put up there, this is not enough, by the way. We'll do that, okay? Yes. You commit to doing that? Troy, was it proper to budget that in contractual services? Yes, it is proper to budget that in contractual services. When you look at GFOA uh, and what we call the Blue Book, um, that is kind of our guiding uh, resource. Um, and it's only called the Blue Book because it's blue. Uh, imagine that. Um, but yes, so GFOA puts everything in there and um, that's what we rely on um, for our guiding principles. So imagine that, Troy, you're, you're CFO and you know the rules regarding that. You did it correctly? Yes. Appreciate sir. that, Troy. Later on tonight, we're gonna recognize you and your staff for the remarkable uh, job you do uh, uh, managing the city's finances. Uh, that's an independent award for that, right? They've gone through all your stuff, gone through audits on it, okay. Well, thanks for not hiding something where it's not supposed to go. I'm done. Thanks, man. All righty, then. We have a presentation of the Community Advocate Award to Nicole Zatoon. Come on down, ma'am. Council, will you all come help me do this? We're going to stand right here so we can, we can take a real good picture with everybody. It is, it is our honor, ma'am, to uh, present to you the Community Advocate Award. This is uh, presented to uh, Nicole Zatoun in recognition of appreciation and appreciation of your contributions in assisting staff with city code revisions. So thank you very much. I tell you what, well, what a great night to get this on, isn't it? We, we appreciate you. Y'all, let's give her a hand. <laughs> come on, we'll take a picture together. All right, come on in. Everybody come in. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. All right, as uh, Joe mentioned, we have presentation of the Certificate of Achievement for Excellence in Financial Reporting. So we're going to uh, make that presentation to Troy Lestina and your, and your entire group. Where's Troy? Where did he go? <clears throat> All right, happy day. All right, good. Thank you for your service to our community, Troy. All right, at this time. And I'm going to give this to you. So what we have today, Mayor, uh, is our uh, Certificate of Achievement for Excellence in some Financial Reporting 
for the annual comprehensive financial report for FY21. Um, it's uh, FY21, and as Brian and I were talking earlier today, we're like, well, because of COVID and everything, they're a little behind in judging us, uh, however, but we're, we're still on tact. So, um, but this is for FY21. This is the highest form of recognition in government accounting and financial reporting that municipalities can receive. Um, as Joe kind of mentioned before, this is an independent body that judges us. Uh, so at the end, after we present our financial report, uh, which we'll do here in a couple weeks, uh, that we're done with the auditors, which is also another independent body that judges us. Uh, once we're done with that report and we send it off, uh, to this agency, uh, they go through our report again, look through everything, make sure everything's, uh, all kosher. Uh, we receive this award. This is the, uh, 35th year in a row that we received this award. And, uh, while that sounds, uh, quite remarkable, um, and it is obviously myself, Brian and Maria didn't start that. We haven't been here 35 years, right? Um, Tommy Johnson started this process uh, many years ago when she was here, uh, and that carried over to Peter Phyllis. That carried over to myself. So we have continued that legacy uh, that Mr. Chandler has built um, and the financial stability of this city uh, was built there. And so we've continued that uh, through the years. That is all, Mayor. Thank you. All right, let's, let's take a picture together because we appreciate y'all do. Thank y'all for letting us be a part. Come on in, Troy. Come on, Troy, stand with your team. All right. Thank you very much. All right. We have some special recognitions we're going to offer. We'll do that from the... Uh, from the Deos. Ladies and gentlemen, throughout the uh, course of uh, last week, we had some great things to take place in the life of our city. I want to highlight uh, a few people at this time. One is, you'll see on the screen, a veteran, Kenneth Christofferson. We recognized him on his 100th birthday. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, we were uh, honored to offer to him a, a proclamation on uh, last week for uh, Mr. Christofferson uh, on uh, February the 9th at 10 a.m. at uh, Pioneer Place. Mr. Christofferson is a U.S. Army World War II combat veteran. He served in the 104th Infantry, the Timberwolf uh, Division from 1942 to 1945. And uh, as he celebrated his uh, 100th birthday also, I want you to know that after he uh, finished serving with the United States Army, he then uh, became a missionary uh, in uh, Mexico and as well as a uh, pastor. And um, it, was, it was our honor to uh, be there with him and to help him to celebrate his 100. 
Uh, we believe that he is looking tonight, so would you all please honor Mr. Christofferson uh, just with, with a round of applause. An outstanding man. Have another as well uh, to uh, present at this time. And I'm going to do my very best. I'm, uh, I need to, Joe, like you mentioned, to hold it together. Uh, Mr. Bill Ray, as you can see, a Vietnam veteran. Bill Ray is, is a community servant, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, when we needed the help of our local veterans, put together, uh, you, you name it, whatever it is, in regard to calling people together for the parade, uh, helping to assemble the uh, Remember the Fallen uh, displays that we have out at the lot. He is the man to call. Uh, whether it's working with uh, the local VFW, he invites us out, loves on us, but, but he's the kind of, of guy, I believe, that is the epitome of Mansfield Strong. Mr. Ray could not be here tonight because uh, he is battling pancreatic cancer. We wanted to honor him. We wanted to give him his flowers while he could yet smell them and see them. His family members, they may be watching tonight. So will you please help us to honor Mr. Bill Ray again with a big round of applause. The other day, my colleagues did an outstanding job during the uh, groundbreaking of HEB. They needed to be there. I appreciate our Mayor Pro Tem, Todd Nora, for uh, standing in uh, for me there, and of course, our city manager as well. And you know, here in Mansfield, we, we are blessed to have remarkable experiences. We stand on broad shoulders, every one of us. When you live in Mansfield, Texas, and you are able to experience what we experience here, you stand on, we stand on broad shoulders. People, people break their necks to get to Mansfield. Even if they don't live here, they want to be here. Mansfield, Texas. While our council was doing their civic duty. We had the opportunity to say farewell to Miss Mary Ann Johnson. Let me tell you about her. Strong woman, feisty woman. I was on the other end of her finger pointing a long time. But I had a special love and, and I'm not the only one for her. Mary Ann Johnson was a dedicated businesswoman holding numerous jobs during her career, but most notably employed by the city of Mansfield. She was promoted to city secretary in December 1965. She served the city in that capacity until November 1975. Mary Ann's next endeavor with the city of Mansfield was perhaps the one she enjoyed the most. 
She was elected to the Mansfield City Council in 1988. And she served on this council until 2007. She served a term as mayor pro tem and was also on the city's public library advisory board. You see, Mary Ann was a trailblazer. She wanted everyone to have a chance to read, to learn, and enjoy the public library. She wanted everyone in every part of the town to be treated fairly. Mary Ann was honored to be a member of the prestigious Wall of Honor at City Hall. Mansfield was her home, and she really cared about the city and its citizens. Mary Ann had a wealth of knowledge regarding Mansfield's history and could recall names and places like no other. Mary Ann Johnson, trailblazer giving 28 years of her life to this city. I'm sure Joy is watching tonight, and her son, once again, would y'all help me, all of us together, give honor and respect to the memory of Mary Ann Johnson. <clears throat> Let's get down to the business. I tell you, we've cried and everything else tonight, I tell you. What a night already, right? Let's get on with the work. We appreciate those trailblazers. All right. We've had our presentations and our recognitions. Council announcements. Miss Short. None for me, Mayor. All right, Mr. Lewis. Uh, thank you, Mayor. I would just make the comment of uh, when's ATB opening, but I don't think we have to ask that anymore. They're going to be here <laughs> next summer. Um, All right. So it was a privilege to get to be at their groundbreaking. Glad they are here that we actually get to see that and dirt moving. Um, and they told us sometime summer of 2024, so hopefully all of our emails now don't have that question coming anymore. Um, I did want to... Uh, ask Mr. Smolinski, uh, we will have a charter review at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, that's a common practice where citizen and committee will get together and actually review every article of our charter and go all the way through and then make recommendations as to what can go onto a proposition. So there were comments made tonight that that should happen. So I'm sure at some point in the not too distant future that will happen. Um, you've already identified a couple that you've asked us several times to make sure that we include in an upcoming ballot proposition. So just wanted to make that comment. Thank you, my friend, Mr. Tenora. All right, Ms. Bounds. I'm going to add to um, the recognition of um, some of the veterans that we took part in. Yes. I took part of an amazing parade on Friday. Pickle Parade is awesome, too. But I was one of the last cars in a long line of marching ROTC, Mansfield fire trucks, mm -hmm. police, and veterans in their cars and on their motorcycles. The most amazing part for me was the last, when Councilwoman Short and I pulled over and to cross the street and to present our country's flown flag 
to Bill Ray and thanked him for all he had fought for, for me and for the American people. You know, on that day, I was so proud of these Mansfield folks and their humanity. That's all I have to say. All right. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Mr. Brosh. I'll pass, Mayor. All right. All right, a couple of things. One is, sure want to thank uh, Ms. Bounds for leadership for the uh, TML Region 8 meeting that took place on last week. Uh, I want to thank her for her passion and energy to make that particular meeting with the municipalities in our region, 22, 23 different cities that came and, and, and met. Uh, but... Um, Tamara, Ms. Bounds, without, without your push, and of course, with an, an outstanding staff that we have who makes things happen, uh, that meeting wouldn't have been the caliber that it was. So uh, just wanting to thank you for that and thank staff for getting behind and, and just moving and making that happen. Our staff uh, did an outstanding job, but we appreciate you putting in the word for Mansfield, and my understanding is you know, uh, I don't know, you know, when we have a city that's 100 so plus years old, you know, you don't ever know if it's the first or not, but I will say <laughs> that it was the first in, in, in recent history. So thank you for doing a great job in that regard. Tamara, we owe you applause. We appreciate you and the staff and the staff. Final word, wise man said, name was, uh, name was originally Saul. Tarsus, a word to each of my fellow council members in regard to the honor that I have to serve with you. He says in regard to service, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We point true north not grid north. We point true north. We've been linked up to do a great work for this city. And we are blessed, I am, to serve with you. We don't agree all the time. I don't think we'd be human if we did. But I appreciate you and your civil discourse. And I appreciate you and your passion. Let's all stay focused and keep running the race because the race is not in vain. So thank you. Thank you so very much. All right. Item 13, subcommittee reports. Item 23-5196, minutes, approval of the January 23rd, 2023 Housing Market Growth Strategy Subcommittee meeting minutes. And that vote, of course, will only be by members of the subcommittee. Mr. Lewis chairs that committee. We will hear from him at this time. Thank you, Mayor. We did meet on January 23rd as well as February 3rd. I'm going to combine both of these minutes updates into one because they do somewhat uh, correspond to each other. So uh, as you all know, in South Point at the intersection of 360 and 287, the zoning entitlement currently allows 
for 1,750 multifamily units as long as the ground floor is commercial retail, um, and then they can they can be stacked on top. Um, the developer of that came to us last summer, presented a pretty terrible proposal that we all told him there's no way uh, that we would approve something like that. And so he went back to the drawing board and he actually presented a very nice um, traditional neighborhood development pattern that will substantially reduce that multifamily count um, and have other, uh, other housing types with it, um, which leads into the other one. So we're basically looking at how do we reduce the multifamily count and maybe disperse it so that it's not all centrally located into one general area. Um, and so there is another tract of land that is uh, just to the north on 360 that's a little more difficult to access, um, but ties in really nicely. And we were able to see some preliminary site plans with uh, what had the best renderings of traditional neighborhood development that I've seen since I've been on council. Um, so those two proposals should be coming together. I don't know exactly how staff's gonna process them through and what it'll look like, but I would assume that they will have a zoning change um, within the South Point PD, but ultimately I think overall the multifamily count actually gets reduced and we get some traditional neighborhood development between both of the parcels. So those were the discussions. I don't know where they go from here, but if they show up at a PNZ agenda and a council agenda at some point, you, you now know they're coming. Uh, with that, I'll make a motion that we approve uh, 23-5196. All right, Ms. Second. Lewis. Second by Ms. Short. All right, please cast your vote. Those on that subcommittee. All right, vote carries 3-0. And I know you made comments on both of these, so in regard to 23-5197, I'm just ready to entertain Motion this. to approve. Second. All right. Please cast your vote. There are no questions. All right, and that carries 3-0. Thank you very much. All right, um, item 14, staff comments. Mr. Smolinski. You've heard enough of me tonight, so <laughs> get Jason, Jason Moore, would you mind coming down? Good evening again, Mayor, Council. So you have some items on your agenda tonight. And I wanted to start uh, this description of uh, potential ballot propositions by stating that my, my first day on the job was October of 2021, and you had all the boards and commissions that night meeting. And so I got to hear your vision from the very first day on the job. And what I've heard and what I've consistently heard is that you want nothing but exceptional development, the highest quality, and next level. And so because of that, we feel very strongly to present you an option to consider, and it's on your agenda tonight, to allow type A sales tax that's existing uh, flex more flexibility with type B uses. So in order to do that, there's likely gaps in the market. And this is one of the reasons why we've brought this to you is to compete with our neighboring uh, cities, you know, DFW is one of the strongest metroplexes in the nation, and so there's a lot of competition among cities in the metroplex to land destination exceptional retail development. So to give a little history, since its inception in, in Mansfield in 1997, the Type A, formerly known as the 4A sales tax, 
collects a half a cent of sales tax when taxable purchases are made within Mansfield. You all know this. Type A EDCs are typically created to fund industrial developments such as business infrastructure, manufacturing, research and development, and those have all been true for Mansfield. However, in order to utilize these funds for other economic development purposes that other cities in the Metroplex have access to, a community development corporation is typically used. And in, in Mansfield, we have the benefit of having a Type B corporation since 1992 is the Park Facilities Depart uh, Development Corporation. And that is strictly authorized for park facilities development. And that's been a great, great tool. In 2023, revenues are projected to be $9 million in the Type A fund. And while some of those funds are to pay for ongoing economic development projects, and these are wonderful projects, uh, Klein Tools, Strawman, Mauser, various infrastructure projects that have been completed, they are not allowed to be used to attract major retail, restaurant, entertainment venues that the residents have said that they want. So what the state of Texas allows through Chapter 505 is a voter-approved ballot proposition that will give Type A funds Type B powers. This change, uh, this vote, would be strictly allowing flexibility. It's not a new tax. Right now, as mentioned, we can do the list of things that are on your screen, and if voters were to approve this expansion of use, these other items that are underlined on your screen could be added to this uh, uh, options for, for council. I'm gonna read the proposition. Shall the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation be authorized to use previously approved collections of its sales and use tax, including all amounts already collected for projects related to recreational or community facilities, including but not limited to land, buildings, equipment, facilities and improvements found by the board of directors to be required or suitable for use for professional and amateur sports, including children's sports, entertainment, tourist, convention, public park purposes and events, auditoriums, amphitheaters, parks and park facilities, open space improvements, related store, restaurant, concession, automobile parking facilities, related transportation facilities, related roads, streets, water and sewer facilities, other related improvements that enhance these projects and any other projects or improvements found by the corporation's board of directors to promote new or expanded business development and maintenance and operating costs associated with any of the above detailed projects. Simply put, these are the types of projects that we could uh, work to attract. Projects on your screen are fine dining, next level. These are exceptional developments that other cities in our Metroplex have sought to uh, land, and there are market gaps in our market to uh, attract um, these on their own. And that's a, that's a, a, a formula uh, of we have, we have very high incomes, we have uh, great land opportunities and development opportunities, but the density of, uh, of those incomes are strictly within the Mansfield city limits. Once you go beyond those borders, that population uh, is not there or nor the incomes to support these types of projects on their own. So there's some type of incentive needed. And in talking with each one of these on your screen, we understand that what those gaps are and what this tax could provide um, if it were to be voted on.
So if the proposition were to pass in May, the city would have access to funds that the EDC's already collected, and we can maintain all the types of projects that we already do today. We're not changing anything of what we can do. Jason, I have a quick question for you. Yes, sir. So the, these are the type of projects, entertainment venues for families, unique dining experiences, entertainment, stuff like that, that we, we cannot spend 4A money on our type A sales tax dollars on today, right? Other than just infrastructure, like the roads getting to a place we can, but that's right. it. So do, are you familiar with the last two citizen satisfaction surveys that we've done? You know what the number one and number two or three things that they were asking for were? And entertainment options for families and adults and unique dining experiences, right? Yes, sir. So would this proposition allow us to issue debt if necessary to help get some of these things that the citizens wanted? Yes, or is sir. this one a cash flow one? This is the cash flow. It's the cash yes. flow. So it allow you to use dollars that come in. It's our, there are, people are already paying that sales tax, right? Correct. So this would allow you to use those dollars, many of which come from surrounding communities. They come and spend those, those dollars here, right? Right. So it would allow you to deliver on the things that our residents said they wanted. We all happen to agree with that, but these are the things the voters, the residents, the citizens told us they wanted in the last two citizen satisfaction surveys, right? Yes, sir. So would voting against this uh, be something that slapped the council in the face or the residents? Residents. Thank you. All right, there's a second proposition to consider. And this one is related strictly to a multi-sports venue, a multi-use sports venue. Uh, as, as we've mentioned in, in previous work sessions, the staff has been working with major sports groups that uh, are operators across the, the region, the nation, uh, with professional sports teams. And when you charge a ticket price at a stadium for a professional team, then you, you are kicked into a different category. You cannot use just the type B powers to do something like that. Even though professional and amateur sports isn't allowed use, once you charge a fee, then you're, you're in this other category called sports venues. And so there is a second proposition contemplated on your agenda for considering a multi-sport venue and related infrastructure um, and maintenance and operating costs to be considered. And this, this proposition um, is looking at major mixed-use development, uh, which incorporates the sta st multi-use stadium, not only for professional sports, but also major music festivals and other types of events that the city could, could participate in or have an operator participate in. And these are a similar mix of uses that we've heard from residents and from uh, council direction like Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Legacy West in Plano. And these are all contemplated to be focused on an anchor tenant, which is a sports stadium. And so to bond those types of uses, to actually sell debt and pay for the construction, the design, or anything related to this mixed-use development, there has to be a separate vote. And so that's why there's two propositions. This vote <clears throat> would be to allow the existing type A revenue that we've already collected or any future sales tax by type A 
uh, for professional multi-sport venue and related infrastructure, along with maintenance and operating costs of the project. If this proposition were to pass in May, the city would have access to existing and future funds of the, on this development, like the Lone Star 360 development that's being contemplated, um, and existing type A uses would still be allowed. So again, um, if both of these propositions pass, you have one that's gonna allow you the flexibility to add in on your cash flow basis on an annual budget appropriation, different types of uses to attract the, the major venues that you're looking to attract. And if Proposition B were to be approved, then you would have the ability to issue bonds for those types of projects. Not a requirement, but uh, would give you that uh, flexibility. But both of those still have type A um, existing uses uh, as an option. So I just wanted to make a couple uh, comments on this is both of these propositions are really necessary, as we heard earlier, to keep ourselves competitive in this region. Most of our other cities have um, either issued bonds out of their general fund to purchase property and, and promote entertainment venues in the area, or they have the type B corporation and they're doing these types of projects already, and they're, they're beating us to uh, the, the punch on the venues. So you've got a couple other agenda items tonight in under new business that could greatly benefit um, not only this exceptional development that you're looking for, but also from these types of uh, propositions that would benefit both of these projects. Mayor, I'm happy to answer any questions if you have specific to this. And then uh, Vanessa Ramirez also um, can help answer any questions specific to the, the ballot and the ordinance. All right, Mr. Lewis. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Mr. Alexander, so when we talk about experiences, destination, we all know about like Clear Fork, The Sound, Grandscapes. Um, you mentioned uh, something West. Legacy West. They're, yeah, Legacy West. Um, so we're all, I think everybody in Mansfield's kind of familiar with those type of projects. We want to see them here. You mentioned there's a gap in the market to attract those type of things. Um, so we all know Citizen Satisfaction Survey or just ask somebody at coffee what they want to see in Mansfield. They'll probably tell you, I want something for me and my family to do on the evenings during the week or during the weekend. Um, without having to go to Arlington or Frisco or drive out of town, right? Um, and so as a, as a board, we have to figure out, okay, how do we accommodate those things? We know there's a gap in the market to find the funding. And so right now today, you have in the MEDC $9 million a year. That's, that's right. projected. And currently that has to be spent on things that basically bring 18-wheelers to town, right? Primarily industrial uses, yes. Primarily industrial use. And so um, if we leave it as type A funds, this proposition doesn't go out, then in order for us to go attract those types of things that we know Mansfield residents want to see here, our options are to the general fund, right? Yes, sir. Which is primarily property tax dollars, which then we have to, you know, throw into that compete with police and fire and streets and infrastructure and all of the other things that are, are noteworthy essentials so we don't get to do, we're not gonna sacrifice property tax dollars for fun things, we're gonna spend property tax dollars on the essentials and then sales tax dollars 
that bring in a, a destination restaurant is going to generate more sales tax dollars, right? Correct. So then that becomes like not nine million a year, it becomes like 10 or 11 or 12 million dollars a year that can then be spent on more entertainment and venue and restaurants and things for Mansfield residents to actually do in Mansfield. But the higher that number grows, the property tax rate can go down because we're offsetting property taxes with sales tax? Can relieve pressure on the property. Oh, okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> all right, am I right? All right, everybody, all right, we good? All right, thank you, good job. All right, Mr. Smolenski, anything else, sir? No, sir. All right, item 15. Is there any action to take pursuant to the executive session council? Hearing none, seeing none, good. All right, we'll move then to our consent agenda. All matters listed under the consent agenda, they have been previously discussed, require little or no deliberation, and are considered to be routine by the council. Uh, if discussion is desired, then an item will be removed from the consent agenda and considered separately. Otherwise, approval of the consent agenda authorizes the city manager to implement each uh, item in accordance with staff's recommendation. Council, are there any uh, items that need to be pulled at this time? All right, hearing none, seeing none, I am prepared to receive a motion. Motion to approve. Thank you, Ms. Bounds. Second. Thank you, Mr. Brosh. Questions? Hearing none, seeing none, please cast your vote. And the motion carries 6-0. Thank you very much. We move now to item 17, our public hearing. All right. Item 23-5162, public hearing and consideration of an ordinance setting forth the standards of care for the Parks and Recreation Department's Kids Zone Program for the City of Mansfield, providing for the operational standards of the administration of the program, providing for the inspecting, monitoring, enforcement of the standards of care, providing for staffing levels, training, responsibilities for those working in the program, providing for uh, facility standards providing for a cumulative clause, providing for a severability clause, providing for an effective date. And here to explain all that is Mr. Young. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor. Members of Council, Matt Young, Executive Director of Community Services. Uh, this public hearing is our annual requirement in order to adopt the standards of care for our Kids Zone program, uh, which is a supervised program run through the Mansfield Activity Center for children ages 6 to 11. Uh, we run this program during the summer months as well as during school district holidays and breaks. We offer activities such as local trips and, att and attractions to local uh, facilities as well as daily games, activities, arts and crafts. Uh, these are minimal standards by which the City of Mansfield Parks and Recreation Department will operate the Kids Zone program. It is considered a recreational program in nature, therefore is not considered a daycare operation. And with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. All right, on my right, are there any questions? On my left, all right. Hearing none, seeing none, thank you all for the great work that you do. I will open the public hearing at 8.22 p.m. Ms. Marin, do we have any cards? All right, I will close the public hearing at 8.22 p.m. and I will call for a motion. Move to approve. Thank you, Mr. Brosh. Second. 
Thank you. I believe that was Ms. Short. All right, question. Hearing none, please cast your votes. And the item carries 6-0. All right, item 18, public hearing and first reading. Item 23-5187, ordinance public hearing and first reading of an ordinance approving a zoning change from SF75-12, a single family residential district and PD, plan development district, to D, downtown district, D1 suburban zone on approximately 1.460 acres located at 505 W West Kimball Street, 506 West Kimball Street and 509 Alvarado Street. Benjamin Hartman is the owner and our presenter is Mr. Alexander. Thank you, Mayor. Yes, sir. Again, this is a request to rezone approximately 1.46 acres of property. Here is an aerial view of said property. The current zoning of the property, again, is single family residential. As you see here, the subject properties that are in hashtags, they do abut the existing D1 suburban zone of the downtown district. Per the official land use plan, the recommendations for this sub area, sub area three, include to continue existing efforts to nurture and sustain a mix of uses and activities in historic downtown Mansfield and associate residential properties that are in close proximity. Again, this request is to rezone from single family residential and PD plan development district to the D downtown district, D1 suburban zone. This is a base zoning district, meaning that it is a straight rezoning request. So the required site plan and building plan are reviewed by staff. The proposed development on the properties will need to comply with the provisions of the D downtown district. And just some architectural inspiration for the proposed development on these properties. You can see here craftsman style architecture for potential manor houses. Another example of a manor house, and this is within the D downtown district as one of the exhibits. And again, taking more architectural inspiration from Norton Commons. And the idea is to help with that middle housing in downtown while providing increased opportunities for housing. So again, the land use plan does recommend preservation of historic downtown Mansfield and the surrounding residential areas. This section is under study by staff for possible inclusion into the D downtown district in support of those recommendations in the land use plan as well as in the downtown development strategies. The Planning and Zoning Commission conducted a public hearing on January 17th, and they voted four to zero to recommend approval. Staff also recommends approval, and I'll pause there to answer any questions City Council may have. All right, Council. <clears throat> council, if you have any questions uh, to my right, to my left, let, let me also state, Mr. Lewis, I'm sorry, that Ms. Julie Hartman is here as well if you have any questions for her. Okay, Mr. Lewis. Yes, sir. Mr. Alexander, I was looking at the zoning map and about roughly 90 feet to the east and 90 feet on one property directly adjacent. It's basically asking to make the hashed area match the purple, the light purple, correct? Same yes, zone sir. Use. 
so roughly 90 feet. And then the bright gold that's in the middle is a 2F, two-family zoning. Yes, sir. For that. So this is just continuing that expansion of the downtown district out to this. And then I guess the properties to the south and to the west that are currently built or have been recently built in the last five years or so really fall in line with the intent of the D1 zoning as well. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. Are there any other questions? All right. Seeing none, hearing none. I will open our public hearing at uh, 8.26 uh, p.m. And we have cards here. Mr. Roy Russell, please come and state your name and your address for the record, please. Good evening, Mr. Mayor and Council. Yes, uh, Roy Russell, uh, lived in Mansfield just over 60 years. Um, I've lived in the historical downtown part uh, all my entire life, not in the same house, but in the neighborhood. And I just found out about this recently. I do oppose the, uh, the proposition. And the reason is I, I mean, I've lived in Mansfield all my life. I love the downtown, the way they've redone everything. And I was looking to move. Uh, I, I was, I started as a letter carrier 33 years ago, carried all the downtown parts I'm currently the postmaster of Grand Prairie and um, anyway I, I was looking to move from the neighborhood and here in the last I'd say seven eight years however one has come in put new uh, single-family homes in fact our state senator cook just built just uh, about two blocks from where this is at where they're proposing so uh, after I seen all this, I sold the property that I was going to build on and renovated my house, put a lot of money in to renovate it. And our neighborhoods are a lot of uh, families, uh, the park there um, by our house. And I was just wanting to make sure that I did because I just found out about this. So I wanted to come and just uh, let my opposition be known. Thank you, Mr. Okay. Russell. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. All right, we have a um, few cards, non-speaker cards. From Mr. Uh, Robert um, Downs, uh, who opposes um, Jan and Hugo uh, Morge or Morgan, Morga. Uh, they oppose. And uh, Lynn uh, Muti, I believe. Also non-speaker. Not marked whether they oppose or not, but it is entered into the record. No mark on whether it's opposed or not. All right. Do we have any more cards, ma'am? Okay. All right. We will close the public hearing at uh, 8. Excuse me. I will continue the public hearing at um, 8.29 p.m. and call for a motion. Mayor. Yes, Before we call for a motion, can I ask uh, Mr. Alexander to come back to the podium and just address a couple of concerns I think some of the residents have? Go ahead, ma'am. Mr. Alexander, um, we did receive some emails from nearby residents uh, concerning the deed zoning. 
And I know they're directly referencing uh, what uh, Ben and Julie are, are possibly wanting to do down there. And I know one of the concerns is that Kimball is not a very wide street. And there is quite a bit of traffic that goes through there with the new neighborhood just down the road. And there's concern that there will be street parking if we add not really multifamily, but it is multifamily to some of these lots. So that I know that's one of the concerns. And then the other is when this came before us before, we talked about where did the trash cans go? How do we make sure that the property is maintained over time? Uh, because there really has been some great renovation in the area. So I think the concerns are, are those two specifically, the street parking and then ensuring that the property is maintained well over the years. Yes, ma'am. And to address the parking, because this is D1, the suburban zone, the parking has to be provided on the lot. If it were D2 or D3 on street parking, could satisfy the required parking for any development on the property. The second thing in terms of maintenance and long-term care of the property, because of the way the downtown district is structured, it contains a specific set of development standards that range from land use all the way to architecture. So it's a little bit different than what our historical zoning has been in terms of guiding development. So it is strengthened in that regard. Furthermore, when we look at a plat, when it comes before staff, it will have to address all of those issues, including the parking, the location of on-street, or pardon me, off-street parking, as well as dealing with landscaping and those other items as well. So the goal of, of the rezoning is to allow for these other uses, but from what I've heard from you and what we've seen with the photos, you guys are still trying to ensure that this fits in with the neighborhood, that it looks like a large home. I know that um, there are other townhomes in the area that people think it's just one large home and there's actually two townhomes next door to each other. So I, I just wanna kind of assure people that that's the direction we're going with that and that not, it's not just um, a pass on whatever is wanting to be done down there. It's still everything still has to go through you guys and meet a very high standard with with all of the details, with the landscaping, with the architecture, with the setbacks, parking, all of those. Yes, ma'am, it will. And that really is the purpose of D1, is really to create that transition from existing single family into more intense development that you would see along Main Street and Broad Street. So D1 is purely for residential uses, even with allowing for live work. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Any other questions to my right? Or comments for a call for the motion? All right, I'll call for the motion then. Move to approve. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Second. Thank you, Ms. Bounds. Mayor, can I clarify for the record that motion is yes. to approve to continue this public hearing until the next meeting, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. All right. Mayor, I have a comment. Sure, I, I, go ahead. I'd like the public to know I will vote for this tonight simply because I, I need more time to, uh, we have another vote. It will come up in two weeks. Right. And uh, so 
I don't know that it's a done deal for me yet, but uh, I'd like to have more time to study, to go down there and <clears throat> drive those streets again. I've done it many times, but I know changes have been made. Not a problem. Go ahead, Mr. North. Yeah, I feel the same as uh, Councilman Brosh. I, I will vote today for it, but I, just strictly because I want more time to understand. Number one, I want to know who uh, who the owners are. Yes. Is this going to be owner occupied, or, or is this uh, LLC buying this or renting both of these? Uh, I just need to know more information about it. So sounds good. Not a problem. All right. There are no other questions or comments. Please cast your vote. <clears throat> all right, and that carries six zero. Thank you all very much. All right, we're at item 19, item 23-5147, resolution on consideration and approval of a resolution approving a, a tax increment reinvestment zone reimbursement and chapter 380 economic development agreement between the city of Mansfield, Texas, the board of directors of the reinvestment zone number one, city of Mansfield and Chisholm Flats LLC, authorizing the city manager to execute said agreement and providing an effective date. Mr. Moore. Thank you, Mayor. Council, the developer uh, on the northeast corner of Lone Star and Highway 287 has uh, previously approved a zoning uh, case with the development plan and site plan that you see on the screen. Mm -hmm. And as part of that project, uh, staff has worked with the developer over the last year to 18 months on developing, again, the next level type of development that council has directed us to, to provide. This development agreement is being proposed, an economic development agreement with the, the TERS 1 board on these following uh, items. There's three main tranches available in this agreement that assist the developer with this project. The first being offsite or regional infrastructure. These are infrastructure items that will benefit properties beyond just the 54 acres at the corner. And so these are items that the city benefits from and the uh, adjacent property owners can benefit from. And so those are costs that uh, the developer would design and construct and then request a reimbursement uh, in a, an actual cost basis. So for every dollar they spend that's an eligible expense, the city would reimburse them through the TERS. And these are, um, will be explained in the next slide on how that's funded. The second tranche is an on-site infrastructure reimbursement. And those are based off of 70% of actual cost, construction costs, uh, not to exceed $9.5 million. And those are based on actual costs that the developer will put in uh, into the interior portions of the project, um, as you see on the screen. There is a condition in this tranche in that they have to receive a certificate of occupancy for an office tenant or a destination restaurant retailer as defined in the agreement and through the zoning uh, ordinance that's been approved. There's also a second option under this, uh, 2B, that allows the property TERS funds to bond the developer out uh, and pay off that reimbursement sooner. And we'll explain that in more detail in the next slides. And then the third tranche is an actual incentive payment based on project cost, which are private improvements above and beyond. Uh, and then once they complete not only the uh, get a CO for office tenant or destination restaurant retailer, they've also completed all of the core civic spaces 
um, which are on the pictures that you see uh, on the left. You've got a, a water wheel and water features, public art, so very significant enhancements to the public realm. This is a little confusing um, if you're just trying to follow through on, on how this gets funded, um, but it's quite uh, simple in, in the buckets if you uh, consider the flow of funds using these buckets. So we have the 54 acres is going to generate property taxes on that 54 acres. 65% of those go into the TERS 1 fund today. That, that's what will happen. And we're setting up what's called a property TERS fund, which would be a bucket that just is associated within that larger TERS for property funds that go in. And it's in that bucket that these reimbursements for on-site infrastructure and any incentive payments come back to the developer. On the other le leg is the 35%. That is across the board in all the TERS district right now, 35% of any property taxes generated above and beyond uh, the base year value of the TERS go into the general, city general fund. Um, and those are available for all general fund purposes. So with this 54 acres, we'll generate property tax, 65% goes into a TERS fund, 35% goes to the general fund. The overall TERS district is much larger. It's from Broad Street generally on the north, uh, 287 on the west, and 360 on the, the east, and it forms somewhat of a triangle. All of those funds that are being accumulated today uh, are available for capital projects as they are listed out on the project finance plan for the TERS. Those are the, the funds that would be contemplated to be used for those regional off-site uh, off infrastructure items that are benefiting more properties than just the, the property, the 54 acres. So the way that this, this is modeled, we use a, a TERS feasibility study. So we have a, a general model that we use. The developer community uses the similar model. We look at new development values, the, the absorption of different projects and parcels throughout the development of when those values will hit the tax rolls. We can calculate what those are going to be and the increment value that they'll generate. And so we generally have an idea of how much, uh, how many much funds are generated in the, the project. So as project funds flow into the TERS fund, the first flow that, that it comes in uh, will pay the city back for any deferred fees. We do have blocks one and five on your map in front of you, those blocks are the only two blocks where the city would defer any permit fees, plan review, impact fees to be paid by the TERS. And so if a develop, the developer comes in and says, we're gonna build a restaurant in block five, those fees would not be owed or, or due by the developer at that time. The way they'll get paid is as the property TERS fund comes in, the city will pay those fees back through the, the TERS. Then the second flow goes into the, uh, the next bucket. It's the developer on-site infrastructure. And that only happens once they have the CO for an office tenant or destination restaurant retailer. And those reimbursements are based on 70% 70, 70 of those actual costs as each segment is delivered. So this is an annual cash flow uh, payment based on what their project will generate in revenue. And we anticipate that to go between 2023 to 2028 before they hit the 1.25 debt coverage ratio. So if we were to bond them out of the on-site infrastructure costs, once, once there's 1.25 um, ratio above the, the annual expense, so we've got more revenue coming in than we've got expense, 
then we could bond them out using uh, their property tax revenue. And that's what's on the next slide. And so in 2029, uh, we could look at, and the TERS board considered this and approved uh, this agreement based on us, the, the city council considering in the future, a, if we were to use bonds, to use a 15-year bond um, payback. And so in this structure, if we issue bonds to pay off the on-site infrastructure, then the city keeps its first position in the flow of funds. And so you see the box just underneath property TERS fund that covers the bond payments for the TERS or for the, uh, the on-site infrastructure. Then it stays with us for any other fees that we may have uh, deferred. Likely those would be covered in the previous years. And so that last tranche goes into an incentive payment bucket to the developer. In the agreement, that's capped at $10 million. And it's going to be dependent on the timing of when they're, they deliver the destination restaurant retailer, office tenants, and all of the core civic space, along with how much revenue is being generated from all those parcels. The 35%, now this, this model is also contemplated to be um, as part of a, a TERS expansion in terms of the, uh, the extension of the duration. Currently the TERS one expires in 2036. The way that the, the model is generated is uh, an extension of 15 years, so through 2051, uh, with the last collection year of 2052. And at the, at the extension point in 2037, the city would drop its participation rate from 65% down to 50%, thus putting more money into that general fund bucket, but still allowing enough funds to reimburse the developer. And the board, the TERS board did approve that uh, this afternoon, both the extension and the, uh, the participation rate. So that'll come back to city council in a future ordinance. So I think that's, that covers the, the development agreement component. I'm uh, happy to answer any questions. The developer is also here if you have specific questions for them. Good deal. All right, to my right. Any questions? To my left, Ms. Short. I really just kind of want to make a comment because I, th I think it is very involved <laughs> when you start looking at all that, and I appreciate how you hush are able to show us and show the citizens how all of that works because it, it, you can really get in the weeds when just trying to read through it. And I, I just want to point out that, that that is what we consider on projects is that return on investment, return to our citizens on what we are investing in these different projects. And <clears throat> nothing is done just um, flippantly. All the numbers are looked at, all the estimations made. So appreciate all the work that you and your team do, Jason. Thank you. Yep. All right. All right. And, and Jason, let me just, just if you don't mind, uh, we, we do have, I know, a citizen that uh, would like to uh, uh, talk to you about that, has questions, uh, Mr. Wilshire, that person in regard to former mayor. So. Um, I appreciate you as well, and just hoping that you don't mind making yourself available after this meeting sure. to answer whatever questions he may have also. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you very much. All right. I will uh, call for a, uh, a motion at this time. Move to approve. Thank you, ma'am. Ms. Short. 
Thank you, Mr. Nora. All right. Hearing any questions? Hearing none, saying none, please cast a vote. All right, that item carries 5-1. Thank you very much. All right, we are at item 23-5185, resolution, resolution of the City of Mansfield, Texas, approving an economic development agreement um, between the City of Mansfield, Texas, the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation, and Super Studios Mansfield, LLC. Authorizing the city manager or his designee and MEDC president to execute said agreement and providing an effective date. Mr. Moore. Thank you, Mayor. Council, this is an, an item that we're very excited about and you heard several, several of the MEDC board members here tonight to uh, also speak in favor. This property that's on the screen is approximately 70, just over 70 acres of remaining property of a Mansfield Industrial Business Park that was purchased and um, enhanced with infrastructure over the last few years. This is located at Klein Tools Boulevard here and 7th Avenue on the west. We've got the city water tower up on the north uh, west side of the site. And this is a transition between the industrial park to the north and east down to M3 Ranch on the south and future property expansions on the west side of this property. So over, let me clear that. Over the last several months, staff has worked with a developer and film industry company to come up with a plan to provide and, and deliver a very unique opportunity for this property. This is a, a studio film industry and cluster that will provide streaming or opportunities for streaming services, television, film, uh, post-production anima post animation, um, a mix of uses with retail restaurants, hotels. Uh, there's different housing types available for the, the property itself for the, the 2,000 plus jobs that it would create. But what I'd like to do is uh, present the deal points at this point, talk about the agreement, and then share a little bit more about what the Super Studios is proposing. And I'll give you more details um, of what those different components look like. So to deliver a project like this, and this is a several um, hundred million dollar project uh, on the tax rolls for this property, not only property tax, but sales, tremendous sales tax generation. Um, every six months, there's a new film or streaming service being produced on this in one of these clusters here. And each one of those can run from anywhere from 100 to $150 million. And, and that's production costs, it's resetting a set, uh, bringing in new materials, uh, carpentry, there's like all kinds of skilled labor that goes into just creating the sets. And so there's tremendous opportunities for our existing businesses uh, to, uh, to, to be of service to this industry and to provide their materials and skills to support it. So first thing we have to do is sell the property. MEDC owns the remaining property. We do have the property marketed with JLL. We have for some time. We have received various prices, mostly uh, from distribution warehouse. Some big name companies um, 
you know, they're not providing manufacturing, it would just be distribution of their products. And so we've generally passed on every one of those opportunities uh, because it's putting trucks on the roads instead of uh, higher paying jobs. And so this, this project uh, would contemplate purchasing the site for $7.3 million. And this is a seller finance um, proposal with a 4% interest rate. So we would be selling the property, they would pay a million dollars upon closing. They can't close on the property until they have their construction financing proven to the city. And not only that, there's a reverter in the deed language that would bring it back to MEDC if construction didn't commence within a certain time period. So when you look at uh, seller finance over uh, 7.3 million with a 4% interest rate, uh, that comes up to roughly 9.4 million um, at the end of the period, the promissory note. But what, we're, what we would be contemplating is years one through five, that they've made their million dollar down payment, years one through five they make no payments to that um, purchase. Years six through 20, they're providing $46,000 a month to MEDC to purchase the land. There's a 10 year proposed 50% tax abatement on the commercial property, and that goes from 2025 to 2035. And that's on these clusters, and we'll, I'll show you a, um, a, larger, uh, a larger image shortly, but that's only on the commercial components. There's an infrastructure grant in an amount of 5.6 million, and that's calculated based on the major infrastructure that would traverse the site. There's some water features for some detention, um, along with some other public and um, enhanced public art space. That infrastructure is paid using dollars that are being paid to the MEDC for the land. So as we're receiving $46,000 per month, that's generally $560,000 a year. And so for 10 years, years six through 15, we would pay the 560,000 back to them. And then years 16 through 20, we would be collecting the 560,000 per year. There's a construction sales tax grant, which we do on just about every project now. You don't have to source your project in Mansfield, uh, but if you do, that brings not only sales tax to the general fund, but also to the type A and type B corporations. And so by incentivizing the developer and the contractor to deliver their construction sales tax in Mansfield, uh, we offer a, a grant for that in, in this agreement. Hot funds rebate, so they're proposing two hotels on this property based on the demand and other studio markets like this. And to, to deliver the hotels, they've asked for, uh, what we've negotiated in this agreement is a 65% of the city hot funds just on this property, so whatever the hotels on this particular property produce for seven years. And then a mixed beverage tax rebate, they do have significant restaurants and retail operations, um, as you see in, the, in red, on the frontage of Klein Tools Boulevard, and those are contemplated to bring in significant mixed beverage sales tax. And that is, um, it would be a, a grant based on what the city collects in mixed beverage tax from just this property, they could get a grant back uh, through the year 2030. That allows them to bring those, the, the sooner they can deliver, the more incentive they have. And so that's what the, uh, that, that piece of it is. 
And those are the major, really the major deal points. There's some timelines associated in the, in the agreement. They need to deliver, these are, there's five clusters, and this is a sound, this is a 50,000 square foot sound stage, each one of these larger blue boxes. And then there's a mill shop that's associated with each one uh, that's roughly 15 to 20,000 square feet. And so there's four clusters that are proposed as, as phase one. That's what they're proposing to deliver as part of phase one in the very first phase. That's the first thing that they will put on the ground and be eligible for incentives going forward. There we go. So here's a, a larger plan. You can see the, the studio clusters, the mill shops associated. You have post-production facilities. There's a lot of animation and follow-up as you're filming things and you're editing it and you're putting it together. Uh, these properties in the back, that's what they do. The, the, uh, the same developer owns these uh, buildings and will um, use those for those post-production opportunities. There's the hotels, as you can see, there's two contemplated on this site plan, retail, restaurants. Um, there's over a million square feet in total commercial property uh, being delivered on this proposed plan. Now one thing that studios like this in other markets and mostly outside of Texas have delivered as some type of housing needs because there's over 2,000 employees typically on a project this size. They're all making significant dollars but they're not all long-term residents. If you're an actor from California and you're coming in to film a six-month series, what a lot of the markets that we've we've talk to do is they'll do short-term rentals and so you can see in your neighborhoods houses start to, to flip over to more of a short-term rental investor and so what this developer has done is partnered with a, a mixed-use developer that's primarily providing this frontage and they've asked to provide some different housing types and so you have even though it's hotel that is considered um, a type of, of housing for these workers there's some studio lofts and some corporate um, multifamily uh, components of this as a corporate resident. And these are different time frames that are associated with the workers here. And, you know, the, the, the hotel piece would be significant meeting space for the, uh, the studios themselves to utilize. There'll be significant conferences and such that would, would take place on this site for the, the use of the studios. So before I get into what is, who is Super Studios and what are they proposing, I'd like to just entertain any questions you have on the agreement component first, if I can ad address anything there. All right, Mr. Bross. Jason, could you go back one, one slide? Just want to make sure that I understood, under the construction sales tax grant, uh, 1%, how long would that go in? How uh, long? Is, it's based on the initial construction cost. So when they're, when they're delivering the, um, the, the phase one improvements, it's related to phase one. So they're not, <clears throat> they're not talking about the ongoing mill work that would have to go on every time it's set? No, it's sir. Okay. No. Okay. Just as it relates to the capital investment on the uh, this phase one. Very good. Thank you. All right. You, you, okay. We have a clarifying question. Then, Ms. Bond. 
Jason, explain what that is, though. That, so the construction sales tax one is to make sure that all of their construction materials are purchased here or delivered here so we get the freight on board, right? Correct. That's, those are dollars that would otherwise be going to wherever else they bought these, but we want to make sure they do it here, and the way you do that is to make sure that they right. they use us as the FOB, right? They use us. They create a situs, and they do a separated yeah. agreement, so you have your labor and your materials separated in that contract, and that allows them to set up a situs for Mansfield. And then, as mentioned, the, the type A and type B corporations benefit also um, from those sales tax dollars that come in. All right, Ms. Bounds. Jason, go forward one. So for the corporate residents and for the hotels and then the lofts, right? Corporate lofts that you have in there? Yes, ma'am. Um, these are short-term rentals and they have opted to do this in order not to be coming into the city <clears throat> and renting several short-term rentals to accommodate their needs with these actors and these people who are here, correct? That's their, that's their effort to do that, yes. And so the hotels would suffice for anything like extremely short and then uh, a corporate residence for something a little bit longer? That's correct. Okay, thank you. All right, to my left, short, Mr. Lewis. All right, <clears throat> Jason, quick question. Um, this, this, this is um, it's like Hollywood comes to Mansfield. So talk a little bit about uh, neighbors. What are the neighbors thinking, those people who own property near that? Well, I, I, I would tell you that I think a lot of people um, were very surprised to see this project come to this property in this location. And when we showed them the different components, they all understood why this made the most sense. Uh, the, the neighbors to the west and to the south um, are very supportive of this project. Uh, just recently heard that uh, the, the western property that had some significant distribution warehouse being contemplated um, was in um, support of this type of use. And frankly, it, it addresses a transition from an industrial park, a true industrial park, into more of a, a residential. Some of our mo more expensive neighborhood with uh, M3 Ranch are just across the street. And so this provides that transition to higher paying jobs and to a mixed use of de development that can support some of those M3 Ranch residents as well. Okay. So you mentioned mill work. Um, you know, I'm thinking about Ben Barber uh, and uh, our students who are actually certified in some of these crafts. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I, I thought about, and I think that the ISD, I believe the ISD, um, would, will be happy about, is the fact that we're able to actually uh, transition students uh, into some of these uh, trade job positions. And my understanding is, I think just holding a boom mic or something is, is like, what? Yeah, $100,000. $100,000 $100, a year to hold a microphone? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, all right. I'm just, glad you brought that up. Just the microphone here. Okay, we just, <laughs> all right. So, Mayor, I'm glad you, you made that. Um, there, is a, there is property uh, that is owned by the school district in adjacent areas as you go towards the community, Southwest Community Park property. 
and this developer would like to work with the school district on a trade school of some kind to incorporate um, a, a workforce pipeline. So they, yeah. they would like interns, they would like uh, trade, um, different trade industries to come in and generate the knowledge base that they need and the skills for this industry. There is a, a new rating system that, that's, and I'm not an expert in school district, um, uh, Texas, uh, the TEA at all, but um, what we have heard from the school district is that the A through F ratings that they're rated on, uh, there is a component of that uh, for college career military readiness and these industry-based certifications that can be provided for students actually enhances what those ratings and grades are for your schools. And so that's significant. Uh, it's a positive for our school district and our high schools in Mansfield to be able to be offered those type of industry-based certifications uh, that don't exist today anywhere near Mansfield ISD. And so that's a, um, um, a very large piece of what this brings to our future, not only workforce, but our popu student populations. Sounds good. Mr. Lewis? All right, everybody good? All right, you were going to say a little bit of something about who these individuals are. Yes, sir. Thank I'm you. I'm going to go fairly quickly, Mayor, but you can please stop me at any time. So why the Super Studios? The, this is really kind of setting the stage for the streaming services and why these studios are of value to a community and the, the economic impacts. There's $220 billion that was spent in 2021 on streaming services to push that content uh, through Disney, Hulu, Netflix, all the various streaming services. So there is a significant demand that this project alone won't satisfy. Um, in fact, this project could be replicated even more than once in Mansfield uh, because of that demand that's there. There's a lot of money in, in Hollywood. There's a lot of private equity. That's how a lot of these projects get funded. And the, the the company associated, uh, while Super Studios Mansfield is a relatively new LLC, the folks behind it with Creative uh, Tank um, and the production folks uh, have been around and they're in the industry. So what is a Super Studio? What is a soundstage? Um, there's a, an opportunity to deliver the, the clusters with 25,000 uh, square feet in size uh, doubled, so that's where the 50,000 square foot cluster comes in or studio. So you could have two sound stages um, doing two different uh, productions or scenes at a time. In the mixed use component, they have various uh, branded Super Studios Mansfield, um, you know, art and themed restaurants, coffee shops, there'll be high-end uh, car services, transportation services, along with different salons that are open to the public, but they're also to serve the many employees that will be working here. These are just some um, illustrations of, of what uh, real sound stages will look like on the inside. You've got a lot of people working uh, with a really cool set in the background, and those turn into the movies and TV shows that we see on, on uh, streaming services every day. There's live studio audiences that are available uh, that, that you'll see in some of these. Uh, this is the, just to kind of showcase the, the mill work and some of the creative uh, scenery and, and production that happens inside one of these stages. And so you can imagine if you're not filming very long on a scene, you've got to turn around and 
take this down, go work on the other side of the building for a few scenes, and then come back after they've reconstructed something. So there's a lot of uh, physical work that goes on in each one of these. These are the pictures of the mill shop and construction of how they, they work on different uh, scenes. This is just a site plan view of what a soundstage looks like and how it's laid out. Each cluster has its own mill shop associated with it so they can move back and forth as they're recreating the different scenes. There's an office component in the front in each one of the clusters. There's significant um, production and um, script and writing. A lot of those things take place in this front area. These are some elevations of what, and if you can imagine the Warner Brothers studio and Hollywood, there's other studio clusters out in the, the communities across the country. One of the closest to this particular project is Trillith Studios in Fayetteville, Georgia, near Atlanta. Mm. And it's a true mixed use uh, project as well. So there's some um, folks that have been involved with a lot of recognizable productions that are associated with uh, this particular project. Like I said, they, are post, they do have post-production uh, facilities where not only are the, the animation and editing taking place, but also working with the, the future, the students on, on these particular industry-based certifications. Animation. This was something that is very important to uh, the company, and that is the social impact community benefit model um, they are an inclusive uh, company and um, have directed 5% of its annual income to support nonprofit organizations, which would be going to uh, those developments in Mansfield. <coughs> so, what is an economic impact? This is just the Yellowstone series, has brought over $70 million into the Montana economy. I'm not sure what that is in relation to some of the other industries, but it's pretty significant in terms of a direct impact. Um, super school, this is that the, the trade school that they've talked about, uh, what kind of positions you can have as a first year student, and then look at what you graduate into as a second year. Uh, so there's some significant opportunities for our, our Mansfield uh, high school kids. This is a team that they, they came out um, and met with some of us at City Hall. Uh, they're very excited about this project. Um, they want to move really quickly. Obviously, they, they want to get ahead of any competitors um, so that they can offer those facilities and start meeting that demand that they have. So just a quick um, comparison video. I'll show you a really quick video of what Trillith looks like. And I won't. I won't sit through the whole two minutes, but uh, just to give you an idea of this uh, actual development that's, that's on the ground today. So you can see the, this one has a residential development just across the street from the studios. They've got public park space because you're going to have needs for people to do things on the weekends and, and enjoy the space in their off time.
there's sound to this that makes it sound a lot cooler, but uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but there's different, uh, you know, salons and different uh, businesses that support the actors and actresses uh, in this community and industry. This particular location is a golf course or a golf cart based community. And so you'll see a lot of people going from their house to work on a golf cart. Here's the example of the soundstage. They've got fitness facilities for the workers. And then just general retail, there's going to be opportunities to support local boutiques and business owners um, to work with our existing Mansfield businesses to bring them in as part of this project. So I'll stop that there. All right. Any questions? To my left, any questions? To my right? Mr. No? You have a question? No, I'm just going to say great job, Jason. Thanks, sir. All right. All right. Well, I will call for a motion. Move to approve. Thank you, Mr. Second. Lewis. Ms. Short. <clears throat> hearing questions, hearing none, saying none, please cast your votes. And that item carries 6 0. All right, our last item is 23 5184. Request for special event permit, Mansfield Pickle Parade and Palooza. And our presenters are Faith is Faith Moore. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor. Yes, ma'am. Um, tonight I'm bringing before you the special event permit application for the 2023 annual Pickle Parade and Palooza. This year, the proposed event will take, play, uh, take place downtown in historic Mansfield over the course of two days, March 17th and March 18th. Back in December of 2022, the Mansfield Pickled Society submit their special event permit application, and staff has had the opportunity to review that application and provide um, a lot of feedback. That being said, um, my recommendation is approval of the permit, pending resolution of the pending comments, and authorization of the city manager or his designee to work with the applicant to resolve comments and the parking lot issue prior to the parade. All righty. Any questions, comments to my right? To my left? All right, I am ready to receive a motion. Mayor, I'd like to make a motion to approve based on the comments from Faith. Mm -hmm. um, and then also with the condition that the Pond Branch parking lot is cleared and open for public parking no later than 4 p.m. on the day of the Pickle Parade 2023. All right, we've got a motion. Is there a second? I'll second. All right, Mr. Brosh. Thank you. Any questions? Hearing none, seeing none, cast your votes. All right, that item carries 6 0. And item 20. Motion to adjourn. Second. All right, Mr. Lewis, Ms. Short, happy day. Okay, y'all waiting on me. Okay, well, at 6-0, we'll adjourn at 9-13 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great couple of weeks. I'll see you soon. See you around time.